If you turn on your TV on Thursday night, they are going to show you a graphic. It's going to say playoff picture. It's going to have some teams in the hunt. And if they don't have the Chicago Bears on there, they are out of their minds. This Chicago Bears team out of nowhere is well in the hunt. And Nick and I are going to take you through everything you need to know about the game that just happened against Detroit, the game that's coming up against the Cleveland Browns, and everything in between. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, the editor-in-chief of The Bears Blog, here along with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys, on yet another episode of the Chicago Bears Obsessed Football Podcast, Bear With Us, where we take you through everything from the X's and O's to statistical analysis and everything in between we can as we cover Chicago Bears at, to be honest with you, Nick, the level that you and I would just do it in our own time just because this is who we are. How you feeling this week? Uh, well, it's exciting, uh, more exciting after Monday night, Robert, because again, I live in the the terrible state of Wisconsin. And so having Green Bay lose after they were like, you know, hanging the playoff banner already and to the Giants. And honestly, it looks like the Giants were trying to give them the game after, you know, the fumble and then they score. <laughs> but then, but then, hey, then we got the, the, the Italian guy, you know, hey, hey, you know, you lead down Vito, and they, baby. And they and they win. And it was so that on top of the Bears winning on top of like their draft pick got better because every team that was bad, like won this weekend. So right. it's honestly I'm on cloud nine right now. How about you? Couldn't be better. And I actually want to take a hot moment to talk about that Packers Giants game, if you don't mind, because sure. I do think the Packers Giants game is two things at once. Right. Thing number one, that is a door opener. The door might have been cracked open for the Bears to find a way into the playoff picture. Now that Green Bay outright lost a game that they shouldn't have, that door is much more open. If the Bears win out, as stated right now, they have a 63% chance of making the playoffs, which is very, very helped by that Giants win. If a couple teams lose that we'll talk about later in the show, that can jump up as high as 83% that the Bears make the playoffs if they win out. Destiny almost feels like it set the Bears up for an 8-8 eight eight square dance in Lambeau Field with playoffs on the line. But let me flip the coin over and talk about tails. What I love about this Bears situation, as far as our evaluations of Matthew Eberflus, our evaluations of Justin Fields, is that if you lose focus for even one game, you can lose to Tommy DeVito. And regardless of what we'll say about the Browns, regardless of how poor the Kyler Murray Cardinals have been at times, regardless of the way that the Atlanta Falcons have floundered, all of these games are as losable as they are winnable. And if the Bears don't bring their A game, well, then they're going to make their decision for us on what we think about these coaches, what we think about the quarterback situation, and everything in between. I personally, Nick, love this because the moment the NFL gets truly predictable is the moment it gets boring. The wildness, the craziness, the reason to play the games is what makes this sport so fun. And as a Bears fan, oh, lean in. And get behind your team because a miracle may just take place, you know, unless the Bears have a game where they fumble twice, like muff a punt and drop two interceptions and suddenly lose 17 to 16. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's oh, yeah. NFL. Well, 
Well, I think I talked about this a while ago. The the um, let's see, your opponent uh, dropping passes, not recovering fumbles, um, like you know, missing field goals. The like, Green like Bay luck the, thing. The luck factor, yeah. So Green Bay's top, and Chicago is, I think, second from the bottom or third from the bottom. So you think over time that would, or over a season that would correct itself. So we have we have a little luck on our factor. And speaking of luck, my question to you, okay. And, you know, what everyone that this? listens, I think you'll have fun with this one. What is this? So, you know, kind of a trivia question, you know, in terms of Bears and Browns. Okay. okay. They've, they've played many times over the years. But there's there's one that's just ingrained in my mind. All right. And let's see. I would have been, uh, what did I, been in high school maybe? I, I'm trying to remember the year. But oh, man. The, when Mike Brown had the back-to-back interception returns for touchdowns in overtime, okay, the first one was San Francisco, T.O. actually bobbled it, and then Mike Brown returned it. And the second one was against the Browns. But do people remember how improbable that comeback was? So, Robert, we're just going to talk through that game at the end of it, okay? Do you remember Mike Brown returning for a touchdown? What season was this? Man, this would have been 2000. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. There's a chance I wasn't watching yet because I've been told more about Mike Brown than I actually remember because around the time I started watching, you got to remember that my first Bears football memory is the Bears playing the Saints right before they went to the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. So this would have been 2001. Yes. So there's no way. Oh, you don't know? So regale the tale. Bring me in on it. Wow. Okay. So they... They went to um they were 13 and one or 13 and three that year. But so they uh were playing 49ers, right? It was late in the game, overtime, and Terrell Owens gets a slant over the middle, bobbles it a little bit. As, as people know, Terrell Owens, great receiver. He did have some drops. And Mike Brown was just fortunate, just went into his hands and he returns all the way for a touchdown. The awesome. next week, okay. And and what well, and they were down 28 to 9 and they like rallied. <laughs> like so that was like oh my gosh this is awesome okay so this is and this team is doing well i mean they were like five and one at that point okay but they're playing the browns okay mm-hmm. and the next week and in the quarterback shane matthews by the way so i'm gonna get okay. it this is in your mind robert of like before you know your your, your tales of, right. of watching the bears shane matthews you know but they're down to the browns i think it's 21 to 7 okay they have, um, let's see, it would have been, I think it was like a minute left in the game. And they throw a touchdown. Okay. So right now I'm just painting the picture. Since I can't trivia question you this, I'm just going to paint the picture. Okay. Well, I appreciate they're, it. They're down 21 to seven, Robert. Okay. Which is significant. Okay. Mm-hmm. They throw a touchdown pass to Marty Booker, which one small caveat I remember. So, so in 2001, I would have been in high school. Mm-hmm. I was at, I went to Bears training camp and I remember Marty Booker was there and you know, you want to get autographs and pictures and whatever. Marty Booker gave me one of his rubber bands. He always wore rubber bands around his wrist. Right. I wore that thing like for as long as I could. And then when it broke Robert, I taped it. Like I wore that thing for a long time. That is awesome. It, was, it wasn't a rubber band. It was Marty a Marty Booker gave it rubber band. Exactly. You know? So he catches a touchdown 21 to 14. And again, there's probably you know, I don't know, whatever left, like 40 seconds left or something. And then Chicago 
onside kicks it and it, it gets onside kicked with a big bounce, but it gets to this right by the sideline. And one of the Bears players taps it back in. <laughs> and then there's the big scrum and right in the Bears sideline. And you don't know who's got it. And it's exciting. And the Bears get it. And then they actually complete a couple of passes and they get to like the 35, which is a weird area. And so Shane Matthews didn't have a big arm, you know, steps up in the pocket, throws the Hail Mary. But here's the caveat. Being at the 35, it changed things. Throws it. It gets up to David Terrell. Do you remember David Terrell, Robert, at least? A little. Mm -hmm. Okay. Michigan first on receiver. He really didn't work out for us. But he goes up, tips it at the, the highest point. You know, there's a couple of guys in there. And then the running back who was in pass pro caught up. And he dives to catch it. And he's diving. He's extended. So you're like, oh, man, this is going to hit the ground. But then he turns his body and lands on Marty Booker to catch it <laughs> to go into overtime. So I'm going to pause for a second because I want everyone at home to, to think about who this running back is while I continue the story. And then I'll tell at the end. So scores the touchdown, get the extra point, go to overtime. Bears go like three and out. And you're like, oh, of seriously? course. Give it to the Browns. And the Browns quarterback is Tim Couch. Okay. Oh, my God. Air, air raid from Kentucky first overall pick and then throws it. I believe it was Brian Robinson tips it at the line of scrimmage. It goes like straight in the air. And, and Mike Brown is a safety was, was down in the box and near guarding a rain back in like the flat. And he's like, Oh, the ball. And then it just goes to him and he runs it in. So he returns it back to back games to win. Uh, and that's kind of crazy that a guy can do that. So everyone, the guy that caught the Hail Mary was actually going to be my question to Robert. And it was James Allen. Oh, man. Talk about a creative player name. Like yeah, J James Allen, man. So I'm sorry. I, I, I'll I have to remember my trivia questions have to be like 2005 and on. Don't you or... dare say the word recent because <laughs> it's, it's a long, long tenure of Bears history. <laughs> see, see here, this changes this changes my perspective of you, Robert, because... Your your like pain of Bears football doesn't go as far because like you didn't yeah. have to go through the you know Alonzo Spellmans and the you know the Jim no. Millers and the, I mean we now, had a good year with Marcus Robinson but like you don't remember any of that. You do have to remember though that I didn't even start with the idea of a functional offense. The idea that the Bears would ever have a functional offense did not occur to me until Jay Cutler was throwing what was it three four touchdowns to. Uh, Brandon Marshall to beat the 49ers, which was the game that I thought of when you started okay. talking about Bears Niners. That game okay. ruled the Kyler Fuller two interception, uh, yep. like yep. game. Anyways, like Devin Aroma should do. Oh, I mean, the early Bears games that I watched were games like the what was it the year after the Super Bowl, the 2005 Monday Night Football game. I did watch this one, so maybe I did watch more games than just the Saints playoff game. Like it's possible because I can't remember which game was when. But if you remember, mm -hmm. that's the game where the Bears turn it over six times and they really do score three times through defense and special teams to work their way back into the football game and ultimately win. These were normal. Like the, the Cardinal game? The Cardinal game against oh, Matt Liner. We, we all remember that one. Legendary. It, yeah. It's all to we say. Are who they thought they were, Denny Green? Oh, yeah. My favorite part about being a Bears fan is that the Bears are the exception to nearly every rule about bad offense. Like, it, that's not to say good things. It's more like, oh, 
quarterbacks that throw the ball seven times or less are are, are one and a million, and the one win is a bear. Like quarterbacks <laughs> that throw four plus interceptions and under eighty yards, and this, that, or the other are yep. one or two and something, and yep. both wins are bears wins. Like it is hilarious being part of a franchise. I, I would not call us outstandingly successful over the last 30 years, but we do have some incredibly weird historical achievements. Which which gives me a great segment here, right? All these oh, trivia questions, go. but I, but now I got to limit them. I'll, I'll keep that in mind with you, but oh, uh, I, there was... I'll take story time all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I hope people enjoyed that. You know, like, guys, let us know if you like that one comment, you know, speaking know. of trivia. I should have mentioned this earlier. Every Thursday, every Thursday show, we want a Q&A section. I didn't mention this after the first episode. I'm going to mention it much earlier in this show. If you have a question you want us to answer, DM it to me on Twitter, email it to me uh, in the email in my Twitter bio, or tweet it at both me and Nick on Twitter, and we will backlog it and make sure that we get your question answered this time next week. Yep. I didn't collect near as many questions this time around. And if you did send me questions, I apologize. But right. so, well, hold on. That's a that's a good segue. Make sure into... you tag Nick on it. I think Nick's reading his mentions a little more than I am. My mentions <laughs> can get a little wild sometimes. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> so, speaking of apologizing, okay. I feel a little bad because people people liked my coaching rant that I had last episode. I feel a little bad because right today I learned Unique Nagakwe is done for the season with a broken ankle after I was mad at his run defense. So, <laughs> Unique, sorry, man. I just, you know, I, it, I want better run defense. But, you know, I it stinks to lose him for the season. Um, I It's weird. I guess he got hurt on, like, one of the last plays. That's how he broke his ankle. Must um, have been. And Yeah. But, I'm going to start this, the, the part where we talk about Yannick Ngakwe by saying something that's, um, it's a little bit brutally honest, Nick, and that's, to me, the Yannick Ngakwe ankle injury, season ender, is a great reminder of just how healthy this Bears team is right now. And I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood. Me. Because if you told me that you switched mics. You're echoing now. Oh, good to know. How about now? Better? Yep. There you're back. Perfect. Because if you told me Chicago Bears lose starting edge rusher, I would expect it to have had a lot more impact than we're going to see from losing a guy mm. who is a pass rush specialist that hasn't brought an outstanding amount of pass rush. Now, I'm not trying to dunk on Yannick Ngakwe. He's been helpful now and again, but as a starting edge rusher, he's certainly been no Montez Sweat. And honestly, he hasn't even been Demarcus Walker. You said he has been one of the least productive edge rushers in the sport. And yep. that the drop-off between him and Raheem Green is not enough to call addition by subtraction, unfortunately, uh, but it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that the Bears have so many healthy players stands in direct contrast to a certain opposing team that we'll talk about oh later in the gosh, show. Yeah. You, you know what's interesting though is is there's someone that I think is near and dear to a lot of Bears fans' hearts that I think we could sign now that there's an opening. Oh my gosh. You saw that tweet too? 
<laughs> Terrell Smith. <laughs> right? You mean yeah, Terrell, Terrell Lewis, right? Or yeah, Terrell Lewis. See, you couldn't Terrell even Smith. remember his name. Everybody loves the story. <laughs> yeah, bring bring him back. Hey, it could be fun, right? I I don't know quite why Khalid Kareem got cut the moment after he had a solid game for the Bears. So I don't quite know how Matt Eberflus and them are running this locker room and what stands out to them. But like you're saying, it'd be a fun story. More than anything, I'm amazed that this is the, this is really the first season ending injury that we've had to talk about. And it still doesn't have that much gravitas. Like DJ Moore showed up on the injury report today. I don't think it's really much of anything. Hopefully I don't eat my words as we go through the week. But even that reminded me, Nick, of how many of the like, foundational bears have not been hurt since week six or seven sands fields, which got well, all and, of the noise of the world. Well, I think that brings us to a bigger thing is because I know, you know, and, and I, I have some tweets that we'll actually talk about in terms of just how much the defense has changed since we got Montez sweat. And then how much things have changed once we got this guy back, that guy back. It makes me wonder the start of the season, Robert, if the bears were just so beat up that they couldn't get, it all together and now that they have what they want together we're actually a pretty good team and if this is the team that you thought you were going to see in green bay but guess what we didn't have tevin jenkins and insert whomever else kyle kyle um or kylie gordon left early etc and then you know then you lose braxton jones in week two and you keep adding on now again i know every team has injuries i get it but i think that as a as a rebuilding ish team we don't have the depth yet so like you give us another year of more depth like we can sustain more of this but i want and you know the chase claypool stuff up and down like i wonder if that and all the distractions really led to the bears playing poorly versus we're just not a very good team i'm glad you brought this up nick i'm so glad you brought this up because while i think it's easy to feel that way right it's easy for a lot of people to say oh well i mean maybe this is an alan williams thing oh well Maybe this was a health issue. While true, the early season Matt Eberflus would never have joked that in the wake of losing Yannick Ngakwe, we'll just have to blitz on every down. That's like, true. Matt Eberflus yeah. was one of the lowest blitzing percentage coaches in the sport for the last mm. seven years. We are thriving right now because of the threat of the blitzes that he is recklessly throwing at opposing offenses. We're not talking about Todd Bowles. Most of it's fueled on third downs, but we get enough of these blitzes on first and second downs, and we get enough of these series where he blitzes on all three, and sometimes even all four major downs. I mean, yep. on fourth down with the interception, they sent an eight or they sent seven men, and they had TJ Edwards bluff a sim pressure. So you yep. could consider it a seven and a half rush play on a core down. This never happened. They mm -hmm. played drop seven coverage on every relevant third and long down up until week eight. And in my opinion, I actually think that's a stronger story in favor of Eberflus. Sure, we could say he's kind of putting out the fire that maybe he started, right? But this is real coaching growth from a man over 50. They are not known for changing their ways. Right. And that kind of flexible thinking is giving him a real shot at retaining his head coaching spot that looked all but certainly gone from him. Just what? What do you think? Three, four weeks ago? Well, and, I mean, yeah, we were talking about it. I mean, I think it deserves a major round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it does. Yeah. So, so I have a tweet here. Tyler B. 
Buker, I think I say his last name, uh, someone that I've I followed for a while. Um, he put this out, and and we've seen the Bears' defensive stats. So I'm just going to read this one out here. I think it's a good segue. Um, their defensive ranks since they acquired Montez Sweat. They're number one in the NFL in QB passer rating allowed at 70.7. They're number one in interceptions with nine. They're number one in pressure rate at 12.6. Number one in lowest explosive pass rate at 4.3. They are uh, fourth in passing yards per game at 180. And they are fifth in EPA per pass at negative 0.12. That is outstanding. Like, even the pressure rate has flipped. But it's so funny, right? Because pressure rate isn't weighted by time to pressure. And if anything, part of me wishes it was because on one side, we've had Justin Fields that'll sometimes take pressures as late as four seconds into a play that almost makes comparing his pressure numbers with somebody like, I don't know, let's go with Trevor Lawrence, right? Almost apples to oranges because Trevor Lawrence's time to throw is so generally low, whereas Fields's is so generally high that you almost wonder, are are they playing in such different ways that we can't compare Mm -hmm. them? On the other side, the Bears are picking up quite a few coverage sacks and a lot of coverage pressures at this point in their season. I mean, Mm -hmm. Nick, this is some of, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I was so hard on the scheme early in the year. So hear me when I say this. This is some of the prettiest bend-don't-break team defense you're going to find. The Bears don't give you explosives. The Bears are going to make you grind out Six first downs the hard way. Three Mm -hmm. yards in a cloud of dust, four yards in a cloud of dust, a tight window completion. And then all you got was 15 yards for your three downs of trouble. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, because I mean, you've seen the film too. I mean, just the way that their coverages, they're passing guys off when mm -hmm. they're trying to get some of those natural rubs or they're trying to, you know, because I mean, like last week, they motioned into a bunch. And then Kyler Gordon would look and they would they would signal, okay, yep, we're going to play this box technique. So whoever comes into your quadrant would be a way to kind of think about it. That's who you're going to get. So you're passing guys off. That way, that allowed. And then also there's another one where you can switch off in terms of who has man, you know. And so that was the one, if people remember, where they motioned into bunch and Tyreek Stevenson was able to slide through because there wasn't, they weren't going to hit each other because they knew who they had. It wasn't the person right in front of them. It, they, they kind of crisscrossed a bit. So mm-hmm. to me, like they're changing things up, but they're communicating. And again, part of that is health, right? When you're continually able to play with each other, you're going to get better and you're going to communicate better. It's, it looks like a ton, honestly, like it's so funny because everybody's attributing a lot of this to Phil snow. Now, granted, even though Phil Snow played with Matt Rule at Baylor. I don't know if this is all Phil Snow, and if it is Snow, he must have learned it from Mike Zimmer because all of this looks like everything I ever saw Mike Zimmer do in Minnesota, and I Mm. love it too. Like It is basically just every way that you could possibly dress up a different potential blitz look with your two linebackers. TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds are playing great football. Even though Tremaine Edmonds in particular is not going to reap the rewards of sick PFF grades, et cetera, et cetera, Tremaine Edmonds' ability to make it me, Matt Eberflus confident enough that he can play on the line and then drop all the way into like a cover two pole runner position is part of the confidence that's allowing Matt Eberflus to call again 
bonafide reckless blitzes and that ability, that faith in your defense to dictate the terms of the offense is creating holding calls. It's cre- It created an Andrew Billings tripping call. It's inspired everybody to work that much harder to win their matchups. It's creating one-on-ones on the defensive line. It's making Montez Sweat look like a superstar because mm-hmm. he's getting a few more featured looks a game. And that length, man, like Sweat is fast. Sweat can close on you quickly. And you've, I know you know this, Nick. The unspoken part about pressure is that you don't get a pressure when you get an angle on your defensive lineman and you lift your arm really high in the air and all the quarterback sees is a flash of movement that he knows is a defender. And then he throws the ball, but he throws it just a little ricketier or maybe a little earlier than he was going to. They don't always give you a hurry for this. I like to call it soft pressure, right? The Bears are creating way more soft pressure than they did early in the year where you and I joked that Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love, Patrick Mahomes around the second quarter, they would just get comfortable because they knew nobody was getting close to them. It's, it's been awesome. Also, I mean, the DBs just don't have a hole, like including Jaquan Brisker, including Tyreek Stevenson. They're not giving an inch right now. Could you debate that your worst DB right now is Eddie Jackson? Um, I wouldn't. Because I, I love what Eddie does, and I think Eddie does a great job of keeping the hard top on. I would argue that it's probably still depends. Okay, so how much do you value? I'm asking you this. This is a real question. Yeah. How much do you value Brisker being a tank in the box? I Well, so I value the run game. I know a lot of other people are like, it's all about pass game, throwing the ball and stopping the pass. But I think they both have good value because if you stop the run game, you create long down and distances, right. which advantageous passing situations versus the play action third and three you know like watching the browns film they they do that and and all the jaguars come up and then david ajoku just slips out wide open for easy touchdown like like i value that stuff and brisker's probably going to give one or two of those up a game like brisker may hey bears fans we're just talking we don't know brisker keeps getting better i will absolutely speak to the change once we get there Right now, to me, Nick, even with Brisker playing really well, I don't know what his second contract would look like and if he'd agree to it in Chicago, the way that Ryan Poles might draw it up right now, just because of where we're at as a coverage safety. But 17 Mm -hmm. tackles. Oh, my God. Like, that speaks for itself. And he had two really important pass breakups right at the end of the game where he showed up. I thought Tyreek Stevenson did a great job of handling Sam Laporta. We saw him blanket him three times, and one of them, Goff, squeezed the ball in anyways because it was just that kind of a game. But to me, it's all this Bears defense, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, Nick, is a defense built on tightening the margins, making you uncomfortable, not letting Mm -hmm. you feel like you get your rhythm plays easily. And in Mm -hmm. my opinion, it's that kind of mental wear that leads to a fourth quarter from your best player, Amon Ross St. Brown, where it is as if he just didn't have the mental gas to make a play anymore. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, like, they, they squeezed out him and Sam Laporta. They're two best guys. They said, okay, we're going to make those tight windows. And Goff tried, but they were low. They were, you know, obviously the one that got knocked play away. Because when you're mm-hmm. tired, sometimes oh, yeah, it's yeah, that's part that of it too. much harder to focus, right? You, you know what's crazy? So you're talking about the linebackers who I think are playing better, way better than they did early in the year. They have five interceptions combined, Robert. And three fumble recoveries. Well, I mean, obviously they're leading the team in tackles. A lot of linebackers do. 
Tyreek Stevenson, I'll, I'm just going to call him your boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll take he's it. Four, he's fourth on the team in tackles. He can hit. Like, That's just surprising. They, I, there was one tackle in particular that you may remember from the game where Jameer Gibbs breaks out to the side with a ton of space. Like he breaks out to the right side where it's him and Tyreek Stevenson and the entire hash to the sidelines of the field to work with. And Stevenson flies downhill and brings him down in one swift motion to the point where it almost looks forgettable, right? The guy has stepped up in a lot of big ways, I think. And I mean, the way that I put this on Twitter just today, Nick, Kyler Gordon is a great example of what normal DB development looks like, in my opinion. Like you get beat, you learn from the way that you got beat and you try not to get beat again that way, right? But you have to take your beatings. Because until Devontae Adams pulls a double move that looked like a single move, you don't know receivers are going to do that at that speed. You just haven't seen it, right? Yep. To me, Tyreek oh, that, that's, Park- that's a nightmare thinking about that game last year for Kyler. Oh, oh a nightmare. But Bad. Kyler Gordon was one of the worst corners in the league last year. Now he's a top 10 corner in the slot which is a very hard position to succeed at. And he's a legitimate field tilter for the Chicago Bears right now. Kyler Gordon deserves his flowers. Played a great game in this last week. And when I look at what Tyreek Stevenson, man, is I say to myself, man, if Tyreek is already hanging in there as like a playable low CB2 in a DB position that will just beat on you when number one wide receivers line up across from you and take your lunch money like Mike Evans did, even when he's given us games like he did against the Raiders, where he really did, I think, get the better of Devontae Adams for the majority of the game, like how much better can he get in yeah. year two? Yeah. How much better Wait. can he get in year three? I'm excited. No, I, no, I, I know. And and I know you're, you're a little higher on than I am, but I think he's making the progress, which is which is exactly what you want to see from rookies. We talked about this, mm-hmm. that we, we you can't be too hard on a rookie. Late in the season is when you're going to see progress. And we're right. seeing that with Gordon, second year, brisker second year we've been critical of him same with stevenson actually i'm going to correct myself so stevenson is fourth in tackles but robert we know why because he gets thrown at more than anyone else in the db room because when i look at the tackles with jalen johnson for example jalen johnson has 28 tackles total and stevenson has 66 (laughs) that's insane they just don't want to throw at jalen johnson no they don't and hey That's good practice for Tyreek. I think the main thing I'm trying to say here, Nick, is that I think I've seen a lot of people that want to see linear progress with a player. And with quarterback, everybody always says this, like growth isn't linear. With DBs, growth kind of happens overnight. Like there's going to be a moment when it clicks and there's Mm -hmm. not really an in-between until, and, and then it'll have days where it unclicks too because you're a DB. Like DJ Moore, stole Patrick Sertain's lunch money, life savings, and everything else he could against that Broncos game. Patrick Sertain looked, I don't want to say unplayable. He had one nice play at the end of the game where he passed, or he took something away from DJ. But when the guy rips 120 yards off on you, like that is not a good day for a top 10 corner in the NFL. DB is a tough position to play. It's impossible. You you, you have to get burned and then you still have to have confidence that you're not going to get burned again. And if you do, you have to have confidence you're going to come back. So um, is there anything else from defense from the Bears uh, film review you want to talk about? Sweat's a leader. I'll go lightning round, right? 
Sweat's a leader. Gravon Dexter looks like a problem as a pass rusher uh, in the good way. In the bad way, we're still a little inconsistent in the run game. Zach Pickens does not get enough shine because for some reason, uh, defenses just have this, or offenses have this weird habit of running away from him. I don't think, there's no way they are scared of number 96. There's no way. But they might be scared of number 97, who is a monster. Like Andrew Billings had another great day, influenced a tripping penalty. Haven't seen one of those this year. Uh, because he got up so fast on Graham Glasgow that Glasgow just had to trip him to put him on his face. That guy gives 125% effort on every single snap. He is just so much fun to watch. Um, the I, I really think... Did you? So, sorry, going back, did you see that uh, the long run for Gibbs? Did you see Pickens' backside? Mm-hmm. How well he played? It was like, oh, that's a, that's a good player too. So it's, He's, it, to me, with Pickens, really all we're getting is little moments of him being more physical than the guy across from him because mm-hmm. we're not really seeing results. He's just not involved on the kinds of plays where he yep. would get results. Though, on that fourth down where Tyreek Stevenson nearly picked the pass off because it didn't matter, right? It was offsides. Right. It, I believe I believe it was that play. But there is a play in the game where nobody gets pressure except Zach Pickens that puts the left guard in Goff's lap. So well, how, how about the last play, uh, the, the last main play that Detroit had in the game, the fourth down? That is Pickens the one. was the it? one in his face. Then too. that's the play I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't two plays, but it was that one. And yeah. hey, that counts yeah. for something. But, but, but that's enough. Like we're talking about, like with a rookie, you're seeing a little bit and you're like, okay, if he builds on this next year, he could be, you know, maybe a starter or a rotational oh, yeah. guy that makes a difference. And even beyond that, Nick, like I'll say the part that I think is hardest for a lot of people to swallow right? We are not expecting more than about half of the draft class to actually be a positive contributor for the Chicago Bears. So if Zach Pickens, let's say, let's say Gervin Dexter is on the warpath to become a really positive contributor for the Chicago Bears, and Zach Pickens is on the slope to end up, I'm not going to use the B word, but everybody knows what's coming to their mind. You know what? If you can just tail away from that and become a single even if we're not a double, even if we're not a triple, like have some use as a rotational yes. backup that can make a player two in reserve, that mm-hmm. can be a really positive thing. I think I think the third round might be the most misunderstood round in the draft oh, because very. there's a lot more Valus Joneses than there are Yannick Ngakwe's out so, of the third. So speaking of, okay, and I was because there's a part in the draft where it's about special teams. Then it's about going for big starters. People need to kind of realize that part of it. We'll we'll get into that in draft season. But speaking of, I want to give a positive shout out to Valus Jones Jr. Yes. He's a guy that has been beat up a ton. And I get we've beat him up. He's dropped passes. He's had bad plays. He's, he's been but in the one game the most, last yeah. week, Valus Jones had a good game. He had the 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 hitch route that he caught. I thought was a sight adjust because his guy blitzed and he's like, Oh, that guy blitzed. I'm going to sit down, catches it, turns and makes an aggressive turn and gets up the field, which I would say later we saw Darnell Mooney catch one over the middle of the field. Justin throws over the outside shoulder and Darnell Mooney turns the other way and isn't super decisive and runs into a guy. If he turns the way the ball is, he has another at least 10 yards, but Velas Jones made a good play there. And I saw Velas Jones being very physical and blocking Enough so on one play, I was like, who is that guy blocking? It was Valus Jones. So no, good for him. Nobody wants to hear it. 
But if Valus Jones can figure out how to cut the catastrophe out of his game, like the comically bad moments, because that's what they are, Nick, right? Like Valus Jones seems as if he is just finding creative ways to be on the wrong end of some of the worst lowlights of the Bears season for both of the years that he's been on the team. Man, if you could just not do that, like, I know nobody wants to hear this. I legitimately mistook Valus Jones on that quick blitz beater you're talking about for DJ mm-hmm. Moore. They are shaped the same way. Like, they've got surprisingly similar burst when you yeah. really look at what yeah, and, they and, are. And thick, too, you know? I know. Like, yep. they're both built like a running back. And if you can put the ball in Valus Jones' hands, you could argue he's definitely more dangerous with it than Trent Taylor. The problem has been putting the ball in Valus Jones' hands and yeah. all of the wildness that comes from that. And as long as Valus Jones is cheap as hell, you, you can roster this guy. Yeah. And just try to see if there's a little more in there. I mean, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, the fact that he got on the field must say he is working his butt off because a lot of lesser players that have any attitude issues in the meeting rooms would have just gotten cut. Like, given well, all the bad that's happened. But think of the resiliency he needs. He's He has not played great at times. Benched. Lost that's his kick returning duties. Nick. Like, I mean, just, you have to, I mean, think of the person you are. You fail at your job multiple times. I mean, how you have to feel inside for him to be like, you know what? I'm still going to show up and make plays. I mean, there was another one he had, uh, he cut out earlier this year on time with his hands. I was like, okay, there's little things here. Mm-hmm. Just like Zach Pickens. Maybe the light will go on later this year. Maybe oh, yeah. the light will go on next year, but I, you at least you're seeing little moments. And Zach isn't getting blocked. Like I'm trying to think of what cataclysmic would look like for a defensive interior lineman, because that's what's so funny about Bayless. Like, okay, Tyson Bajant launches this gorgeous ball, uh, pretty enough, right? A clear touchdown ball into into the end zone, wide open. We drop it. Justin Fields uh, in 2022 launches a perfect ball down the sidelines. Bayless did the hard part, stacked his corner, and drops yep. the ball. Like Valus has what five fumbles in maybe 25 touches, including punt returns. Like it, I don't know if it's that severe, but it feels like it, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it it does. But honestly, maybe he was helping us last year. Oh, I mean, it worked out, but there's no way he was in on it. And okay. So now that we're on the topic of missed opportunities, this is not the same way anybody wants, but Nick, I don't think we could have nailed Justin Fields' performance any better than we did on our first watch after the game because the film showed Justin's highs being every bit as high as we thought they were. His athleticism is amazing to the Mm -hmm. point where sometimes in these conversations about what we do at number one, when you ask me, Robert, what would you turn down? Like basically saying to me, Robert, I'm really trying to say keep fields. How how can I get you to say keep fields? And I keep picking the quarterback. I I am un I am not saying enough about how athletic and how amazing and how unusual Justin Fields is when that guy is running the ball. It is different. He puts yep. dust between him and defenders that should not be. And you can tell it frustrates them because it is it is like playing against an alien. I mean yep. you get used to playing football a certain way. It's the same way when the quarterback runs the ball every other week of the season. And then you play that guy and it doesn't work that way anymore. And you're like, why are players so impressed? Because he feels different. But man, Nick, I Wait. swear we left 150 yards on deep shots down the field. Oh, yeah. On like yeah. 
even just five plays, like minimum two straight up touchdowns. When we look at the plays that Justin passed on and worst part, he looks at the players. Like, I know it's one thing to say, Oh, it's not in the read. And sure. I didn't play five years in the NFL, but I like to think I know a thing or two about how these reads are designed. They look like they're in the read, but beyond that, you can see Justin eye up these throws, a throw mm-hmm. deep down the sideline to Darnell Mooney, two throws up the seam, one up to uh, one up the seam to Mooney, one up the seam to Cole Komet. Cole Komet on a rollout to his left just gets jailbreak open, like unacceptably open. Is that a fair word? Unacceptably yeah. open. And we don't throw the ball. We check it down for an incompletion. Like if fields through some of these, we're not having the conversations we do nearly every week because even if we were missing the throws, at least we're being aggressive. Like we're if we're Justin Fields and we're going to live with the high volume of hits we take and the amazing things we do athletically, hitting some of these deep shots alleviates the need for a super healthy quick game, right? You don't need to throw down the middle if you are killing guys with touchdowns up the, se- uh, up the sideline and mm-hmm. the occasional seam ball. But when we don't throw it, it can put so much more pressure on the rest of the team. And I'll pick on one play before I hand it back to you. Ranted long enough. The Cole commit, the ball where Justin Fields sat in the pocket and he, I literally timed it out. He sits in the pocket for seven seconds, Nick rolls out to his left and throws the ball to Cole commit at the 9.3 second mark, which mm-hmm. is a wildly long time. To and then there's the hold, right? And he takes a hold. And if at two and a half seconds, he had loaded and spat the ball to Cole Komet. God forbid Komet breaks a tackle, it's a touchdown. But at least it's a 30-yard gain off mm-hmm. of first down, and the Bears are rolling. And it's those missed opportunities that, look, I don't know that 16 other quarterbacks are hitting them. Like, to pretend that every quarterback in the league is hitting them, every quarterback in 2010 might have. The league is a little different now. And I do think that that needs to be part of the conversation that half the league is Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and like a bunch of these other Jimmy Garoppolo-like guys that Mm -hmm. maybe they throw the ball, maybe they don't. Honestly, hard to know. But they're the throws we're begging Getsy to jailbreak open for fields and seeing them not get thrown just makes you go, Daggum! (laughs) You know what I mean? I, I didn't expect it. I mean, what's funny is, you know, so so we get ready for this show, everyone. Like, you know, I, we put a show sheet together, and then right before the call, we'll like talk about some of the stuff we have on the sheet. But it's not like the most detailed thing in the world, you know. No. So we both got on here, and we started talking about fields, and I was like, "Man, he missed some throws that were open." Robert's like, "Okay, you saw it too." Like, we we both don't watch it together, um, and I think like we watch, we might watch it on different days, or you know, watch it. You know, some people like the you know, the Tim Jenkins, who I like, uh, you know, Chase Daniel, JT O'Sullivan, you might watch those guys too. I don't watch any of those. I just watched the film, but I would say only one of those, Robert, I would say there was, there was a pass rush enough where I was like, mm, okay, maybe that's why he moved right. off the spot. But like other than Darnell, that, there's a Darnell Mooney dig that he didn't throw that yep. it's open, but we got pressured. And then yep. there's obviously the DJ Moore dagger route that we just plum missed later yes. in the game yes. that, yep. It doesn't work, it, but keep going. But but like there's times when early in the year where I'd be like, well, he didn't throw this because at least there was some pressure or some in his face, et cetera. But these ones, they were, they were open. And so 
what's weird is Justin Fields early in his career in Chicago at Ohio State loved throwing the deep ball. It was, I mean, he's he's obviously he's really good at it. He's really accurate, as we saw with DJ Moore, like throwing it on a line. Like literally, he could have run down there and just like handed to him on that penalty, uh, right? Fourth and thirteen. So pretty. It was a great throw. Just like he had at Detroit on the bomb. He missed the one, but he hit so the other pretty. one. Like he's he's a great deep ball thrower. And he's not taking those shots, even though he's done it in his past. So it's not like that's not in the repertoire. But it I don't know if it's Justin Fields is like, hey, I'm gonna limit my mistakes because mistakes have been my issue. And so if I limit my mistakes, because the longer you throw down the field, everyone, the more prone to interceptions, right? The interceptions happen on deeper passes. It's in the air longer, easier for safeties to go. Um, I would, you know, whatever, however you want to word that. If he's like, hey, I'll limit these and I'll just increase my completion percentage, which is another thing people complain about all the time. You know, maybe that will increase our odds to win, et cetera. Or, so it's him thinking that. It's the coaches telling him to do more of that or it's him not seeing it. But like this time he saw it in my opinion and it wasn't as much protection or the guys weren't open. Some of these guys were open. So I don't know which one it is, Robert, or, you know, confidence of fields, but there's something that was like, mm, again, like probably at least three plays. I was like, eh, I don't know what was going through his mind on these. No. And Hey, just to just so we sound like we're fair and balanced on here. First of all, I need to reiterate the super athlete part. He is amazing. Sure, there are some technical questions I have about his footwork in the pocket, but when you're that athletic, I really never expect quarterbacks to have perfect technical footwork because Joe Flacco's footwork is the way it is as a survival mechanic, right? If he's not perfect with his footwork, if he's not getting off his drop spot immediately, he is going to get smashed by Miles Garrett. Right, well, and I, I got I got a big thing about the athletic piece too. So I don't do you, do you want to touch on the past thing and then I'll come back to that, or how yes. do you want to do it? Uh, I wanted to say that Fields threw some absolute seeds in this game, like yeah. the out route right that windows. he had to Cole Kmet, the up and over ball that got over Alex Anzalone that he also mm-hmm. threw to Cole Kmet. Obviously, the fourth and thirteen speaks for itself, but there were even some quick game balls. There were some moments of recognition, like when he found Valus Jones, that you got to give him some credit for because mm-hmm. he saw the blitz. He knew nobody's on him. I'm going to throw him the ball. You saw another one where the Bears had a like late breakout swing pass where the running back went in motion behind Fields' back, and Fields saw the linebacker vacate the middle of the field and waited for Cole Komet to be wide-ass open. Sorry, uh, not, don't usually. Anyway, that doesn't leak out on the pod most of the time. Because, <laughs> Were you J.T. O'Sullivan? No. Because, can you tell who I check my work with? Anyways, yeah. um, because Fields knows Cole is totally open, and Cole incidentally just runs into the linebacker and field sits on him waiting for him to be right there. Cause he's going to be like, yep. there were, there are these moments of clarity where you can see fields is improving, but Oh my gosh. Oh well, my I mean, gosh, Nick. So hold on, hold on. So with that, so through over the middle of the field more this game than he did in past games, mm-hmm. even that slanted DJ more, we saw touch, we saw tight window throws. We saw anticipation. So like all of those were progress. Yes. But as you're saying, we had some regression too. We it's, it's the part where we're trading what might be 40, 50, even 70 yard yards after catch touchdowns for 10 yard outs for a first down. And yeah. when, when we miss the long one, the huge chunk and we get the short ball to your point, Nick, you kind of alluded to this. 
you almost feel like we're getting Matt Eberflus's way in the worst way, right? Like we're getting more of the down-to-down stuff, but at the cost of that gunslinger mentality that Matt Nagy seemed like he was trying to instill in Justin Fields because, hey, if Fields threw three interceptions a game, but he threw them all at 40 yards deep, Part of me wonders if you could live with it if you hit enough of it uh, if you hit enough other shots to work your way down the field and score a bunch of points anyways. Arm punts are just not as dangerous as the th- interceptions you throw at the line of scrimmage. Like that's the irony of football, right? You throw mm-hmm. an interception deep down the field, I don't want to say whatever. It's not that simple, but it's the it's the interceptions on the quick game that are the real problem here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's kind of a punt, you know, like one of the things actually, and I'm trying to pull this up is that I saw was interesting when going through stats to, to prep for this. Cause I, you know, I do that every, every week in terms of just seeing what the opponent does. Chicago is seventh in the NFL and third down percentage seventh. I don't know that people would, would assume that. And I think, you know, part of that is, you know, we have a good run game. I get that. But part of that too, I think is we're, taking conversions they're like okay we need to convert this we need five yards we need seven yards which is good which could be a reason why he turned down one of the deep shots that you had highlighted in terms of a deep one to mooney who was open stacked this guy had two steps that's way open for nfl way open and and then threw one to tunyon for just enough for the first down which i was just impressed tunyon caught the ball but anyway so is that like hey it's we have to convert like that's the biggest thing i don't know and i'm so glad you brought that up because the way I have seen other quarterbacks talk about this, I am crowdsourcing my information, but it made sense to me when I heard, I think it was Kurt Warner explain it like this, was that if you design the play where the a short route, like it's a high-low, is in your peripheral vision, you can see both at the same time. Yeah. But when Mooney breaks open like that, Tanyan is not in his vision. He has to reset to go find Tanyan. So you don't know that Tanyan is open. It is a turn down. Now, is it a is it a tougher throw down the field? Sure. Should that be the first throw that we have open on our third and four? Uh, that's a question I'll let you, right. viewer, take up with Luke Getze. But from the design perspective of the offense, we are not turning that throw down because we know Tanyan will be open. We have no idea, especially because just saying it to you, Nick, that's, that's not DJ Moore. That's not Brock Bowers running across the field. That's <laughs> that's a guy who has been be excited. It, it's been a guy who's been one of the um, the most lackluster Bears passing options right. all season. Yeah. You yeah. said you're... better, better recently, but disappointing early. So just in terms of the you had talked about the athlete that Justin Fields is so. You know what's so interesting and and the endless debates of, you know, do you take a quarterback at one? Do you stay with Justin Fields? If you Madden designed the quarterback that you want, I think you'd have a quarterback with Justin Fields athleticism, Justin Fields arm, and then have him be like maybe an inch taller. Like it's like, like that, that is like the most freak like athleticism that you want. And he is changing as a runner, y'all. Like the last year, Justin Fields might have housed, I'll even go that this far, might have housed one of the runs that he had on Sunday. But when he gets in the open field, he gets as much as he can and he gets down. He has changed. And that is, I mean, because I, I watched it, I was like, what? He could have got more, or that's only Kirby Joseph there, man. Like I was right. thinking that, but you don't want to get injured. You want to just keep things flowing. And so 
whether that's maturity, whether that's them coaching him to do that, doesn't matter. He's changing as a runner, but there's, I mean, it is special what he can do as a runner. And it's not just designed runs. It's, I think it's, you'll see more of it with the creativity. I mean, let's not forget last year, Detroit, the, the play to Mooney in the mm-hmm. flat when he motions, he's not there. He scrambles, gets turned around, and then just runs in for a touchdown. Ugh. Or earlier this year, scrambling around, finds a guy for a touchdown for a couple of quick passes. Like, not everyone can do that. I would say hardly anyone can do what he can do. So that mm-hmm. part is super special. Now it's just combining that with a couple more of these deep shots with better completion percentage and third down conversions. And we have, I mean, a top five to eight quarterback in the NFL. And, and the brutal piece about this, Nick, Okay, so first of all, want to just affirm everything you said, because you're absolutely right. Adding on to that, though, because you said the positive side of this, is that you could make that argument for an awful lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Quarterback is really hard. Like, if you watched the game the, that we referenced earlier, uh, Green Bay against D or against the Giants, Tommy DeVito has this one throw where he rolls out in the goal line and laces a perfect back of the end zone ball into the hands of some receiver where you're like holy smokes and Mm -hmm. if we can just if quote if we could just make that throw a couple more times in this game we may really have something nfl quarterback is hard the consistency piece is the hard part Uh, but so we'll we'll see what happens when it comes to justin fields but if you don't mind me pivoting the conversation because you and i can do you and I could do a whole piece of com- about Justin Fields every single week that I believe it will settle itself. Like Brown's defense is crazy hurt. They are still going to play a lot of zone and zone backups might, if the book is out, still give Justin Fields trouble. I am excited to see the way this Brown's defense goes about matching up against the Bears. We will get there in a second because there is one t- draft argument that I have heard a lot less because I believe the player in question is settling the debate. I want to give number 70. His I was going to talk about that. Like We're on the same page. Braxton Jones is balling. Like it's not perfect play, but I think the margin between him and what you were hoping Olufashanu or Joe Alt would bring to the bears is starting to look so thin that it's not just us film crazies that are saying, are you sure that's worth it at the top of the draft? It's becoming the casual bears fan. And I think that's a huge win for the entire organization that Braxton Jones is playing this kind of ball because mm-hmm. it frees up so much going forward when you've got what I think I saw somebody, somebody graded out the, all the tackles in the, uh, in the NFL. And they said the bears tackles are currently eighth in the entire season. That includes a heavy dose of Larry Borum. That includes a heavy dose of Darno Wright playing with one arm. Like, and you still end up with top 10 tackle play. I don't think either of us thought in our wildest dreams that the bears would reach that level this soon. No, but one thing to think about, I want to draw this parallel. Okay. And I thought about this. I'm glad you brought up Braxton Jones. Alt or uh, Oshanu, right? Either tackle prospect. I mean, there's other ones too, but those are the top two, right? If you draft them, they have more potential than Braxton Jones. I'll say of that. Course. They they certainly do. Will they be better than him? I mean, it could be even likely. I think Braxton Jones is playing very well, but it's, I think it could be likely they play better than him, right? Spending a, a top 10 pick to upgrade what could, I mean, it could be worse too, right? You think there's a lot of outcomes of how this could go. You know, a top 10 pick. Right now we're like, mm, I don't think we want to do that, right? 
but mm-hmm. it could be better. I think you can parallel that same argument, Robert, and this is going to get really dicey with quarterback right now. The quarterback you draft as a rookie could be better. They could be elite. But is the differential of them getting, let's say, slightly better, 5% better as a passer, you know, and they, they don't have the running capability, even though Caleb is very creative, worth everything else that you get for the one-on-one. That's the debate. It's the same thing at left tackles, the same thing at quarterback, because they're not playing terrible. Quarterback's not playing like Zach Wilson. Tackle's not playing like what we had at right tackle last year. It's like, oh my gosh, right. we have to get a tackle with right. pass up Jalen Carter. Like it is, they're both playing, I would say, above average to well. They're not playing elite, and it gives you options. And that's the thing I think we need to think about is that they could be slight upgrades. They could be worse. They could be mm-hmm. huge upgrades at either position. And we have to determine, again, after the end of the season, where all the draft picks are, mm-hmm. whether these upgrades are going to be worth it or not. But I think making that parallel, I think, is accurate. I think it's a great way to frame the question. And I'm not going to let us spin into this. Do not answer this, no matter how badly you want to, because I'm not going to make a claim. So I'm not going to give you anything to say. All right, Nick, because we got to talk about this Browns game. But oh, yeah. the the other big piece to this that doesn't really factor in with Braxton Jones is it's not just about talent, because if you got no marginal upgrade between Justin Fields and uh, let's say Drake May, just because everybody I, I like to switch the name every chance I can, because yep. it's more yep. about the theoretical at this point. If you yep. got the same quarterback play, resetting the quarterback contract is or contract clock is a useful thing. Now, it's not that dramatic, but at the same time, I also don't think that the the scenario that I've seen on Twitter recently where the Bears don't commit to Justin Fields, despite the fact that Justin Fields' agent is going to walk in your office and he's going to say, so you passed on Bryce Young, uh, or I guess they'll use C.J. Stroud. They're going to say, so you passed on C.J. Stroud. Right, right. You passed on Caleb Williams. You obviously like us. Pay us our money. And then you say, no, 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 no. We're going to play this out. We're going to pick up your fifth-year option. We're going to tag you. Then we're going to tag you again. Then what? Like, okay, so we're going to string this thing out. And Justin Fields says, well, I'm just not going to play. And everybody goes, well, Justin would never do that, right? Um, He's a quarterback that's been through a lot. I would be shocked if Justin is going to be out here trying to give a hometown discount to the Chicago Bears right now. Like, I actually wonder, Nick, if we had Justin on this podcast. Justin, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I wonder if Justin would say he wants to get traded. Because the moment he gets traded, he's probably getting an extension. Like, and if he's not getting an extension, he'll get one the year after he plays okay at his new destination. You know what I mean? Like, if I was Justin, I'd want to get paid. So we'll see how that plays out. My response is, I'm not going to answer the question because you asked me not to. But I'm going to do a quick, a quick thing. I watched um, part, I would say, about two-thirds of the Browns game last week, just quickly, just because I want to have a little frame of reference for this Joe Flacco resurgence, which I have a lot of numbers and things to get to, but they're running. Um, I mean, the strength of their team is their interior O line right now. We'll talk about why that is. Um, they run the ball a lot. They do a lot of screens to back screens to tight ends. Um, they are in 22 personnel a lot, Robert. They have two tight ends, two receivers. They'll have two tight ends, um, uh, two backs sometimes. I've even seen them in short yardage bringing that sixth O lineman and two tight ends, which 
we'll be familiar with that because Detroit did that last week on us with another offensive lineman on the field. But I think that's because their best personnel package is having Harrison Bryant, their second tight end, in versus having a third receiver, et cetera. Um, but they'll do outside zone. They'll play action. Um, and Joe Flacco, he finds Amari Cooper, which I get it. He's your best receiver. He throws him as much as he can. Um, Flacco still has the arm. His completion percentage is under 60%. I'll highlight that in both games. Um, I'll highlight that later. But um, their offense is still struggling. It's better than it was the two weeks prior, but it's still kind of struggling. Defensively, obviously we know that they are very talented. They've been a very good defense this season. They're struggling a little bit lately, which I'll get to. Um, I actually have them running a lot of man, Robert. So uh, they have depending on if Denzel Ward is back, they have three talented corners and I think they take some chances with that. They'll, um, they don't blitz a ton. They're about middle of the road in terms of blitzing, but they lean on Zedaria Smith and Miles Garrett getting home. Um, and then the man coverage, uh, and then they play, you know, they play with dropping guys and playing robber and moving guys around to try and get some uh, interceptions. So, that's a little bit of just the film. I'm not going to go too no. in depth on that. Do you have any questions? I mean, more than anything, I wanted to just say, I actually thought I'd heard that they run a lot of man on a podcast or other, because I didn't have time to watch the Browns before this podcast. So I'm just riffing off what I've seen when they play on red zone and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Cause I'm watching the bears. I'm watching the red zone both at the same time. Right. Um, yeah. But so it's so funny though, because that shows me how the NFL has shifted, right? Where it used to be, the best defenses in the NFL were all zone-based defenses. Right now, some of the best defenses in the NFL are the man-based defenses. Yes. But those are the ones that are going to get hit harder when your guys go down. So I'm well, really interested to see what old Jim Schwartz – Schwartz, obviously, but I, I love the Jim Schwartz like yeah, yeah. Uh, pseudonym. Like what he's going to do to heat up Justin Fields. Yeah, I agree with you. And the one thing I think that's going to be interesting even more so is – zone is what hurts Chicago's passing game more than right. man. Right. And that's because if you're man coverage with a receiver and you turn and run or wherever on the field, you're not watching where number one is. Yep. And if you want him to get loose, play man coverage. So I don't know how much man they're going to play. And I don't know how it's advantageous for them to do that, but you alluded to injuries, Robert, I have a huge list of injuries. And if you're not familiar with the Browns injuries, get Get, get a pad of paper out, okay? You might need about three sheets. I'm going to talk through all this, okay? I'm ready. So, Deshaun Watson, right? Obviously, people know him. He's done for the year. Nick what? Chubb. He's done? Done I'm for kidding. the year. That one we did. <laughs> Nick Chubb done for the year, which is sad. I'm a big Nick Chubb <clears throat> fan. Okay, both starting tackles. Uh, Jeredick Willis uh, and Jack Conklin done for the year. And then last week in practice, right tackle Dewan Jones. If people remember in draft coverage, he was the giant 6'8". 360 guy from Ohio State, he's now done for the year. So the Browns are down to their second string left tackle and their third string right tackle. Um, they are down two safeties, Rodney McLeod, which I was trying to remember, Robert, is Rodney McLeod the one that played in the Colts game that missed the pass, or was he guarding uh Fells oh, on the last game of the season when the when the Texans came from behind to win the Levy Smith is game? Is that him? I never I learned that guy's name. He was name. involved in that. I thought he was involved. Look it up. Look, look it, it up while I'm, I'm doing all this. So, Ronnie McLeod's safety done for the year. They just put safety Grant Delpit, who's who's pretty good, 
uh, on IR this week, or I think like today or yesterday. And then uh, Maurice Hurst, D-tackle, he's now on IR. That's just the IR guys, people. Now, current injuries. Starting D-tackle Jordan Elliott has a concussion. He didn't practice today. Starting center Ethan Posick, who I liked as a free agent prospect, potentially for the Bears. He re-signed with them. He didn't practice with a stinger. He left that game in like the second quarter with a stinger, which I thought was kind of odd in terms of that's the designation, and he's still not practicing. Most time that you come back from that. Um, they I'll just call him Ogbo, the end that they had. He's like their third D end. He left the game three times with injuries last week, and he didn't practice. He's likely headed to IR, is what I've heard. So they're missing another pass rusher. Juan Thornhill, so they're missing two safeties, right? Juan Horn, Thornhill's the third safety, or their other starting safety. He didn't practice with a calf, um, and so I don't know. I think he left the game with a calf, so we'll see if he will play. Both running backs are injured. Okay, Kareem Hunt didn't practice today with a groin. Jerome Ford had x-rays on his wrist, hand. They were negative, but he was limited today, so he's dealing with a hand wrist. Obviously, he's going to try and play with one hand. We'll see. David Njoku, I talked about, didn't practice. Guard Joel uh, Benito, really good player, didn't practice. And again, I don't know if these are just veteran days off, if these are serious or not. Amari Cooper didn't practice. Miles Garrett didn't practice. Anthony Walker didn't practice. He's a linebacker. Their kicker, Dustin Hopkins, didn't practice for personnel, personal reasons, whatever. And then the last one is Denzel Ward, their best corner historically, not this year, but historically. He's missed three games with a shoulder. He was limited today but I don't know if he'll even come back. So that is just the guys that have missed practice on top of the IR, Robert. I am out of breath. What do you got? I mean, <clears throat> the NFL's brutal. It's a, it's a marathon. It is a testament. We talked about this earlier to how healthy the Bears have been. You want to just go ahead and read the Bears injury report real fast? <laughs> yeah, we got four guys. Uh, three didn't practice. Dylan Cole and Equinemius St. Brown. And then DG Moore had the ankle. And then Jaquan Brisker was limited. That's it. And, Four. and Moore's coming off of a game where he played the entire rest of the game. Like, it didn't even seem to particularly slow him down, which is a separate amazing DJ Moore feather to add to his cap that he's as tough as he is. I mean, you got to remember that crate or that really excellent slant he caught uh, over the middle to nearly ice the game, the fourth and 13 touchdown pass. All this stuff happened after the ankle injury. So I yep. thank you, Cortisone, right? But more to say that, or is it cortisol? I think it's cortisol, right? Yeah, the the, sh- the pain killing shot. But yeah, all this to say that the Browns injury report, if you include the IR, is pr- nearly four to five times as long as the Bears is, and those aren't just teamers that are off. I mean, no. Miles Garrett with a major or like a with a step taken out of his game artificially is a mortal. Right. Like just just so we talk impact, I'm, I realize, Nick, I'm kind of blending everything together. You wrote an, on our sheet the difference between the Browns when they had everybody healthy and the difference between the Browns as the injuries started to pile up. Uh, yeah. You want to talk through what that's looked like from a results based perspective, because Bears fans, this is not the Browns defense you think it is right no. now. No, it's not. So, so just in terms of starters, I, I'll I'll quickly go through this and I'll get to some stats. So, so Joe Flacco's now at quarterback, but on film, I saw that they also bring in Dorian Thompson Robinson, so he's the guy that had some starts. They bring him in for some like 
kind of quarterback running things. He converted a fourth down for them. He'll hand the ball off, but so they have some packages for him, but Flacco's back, um, you know, two games. He has improved the offense. He's had a 66 grade on PFF. Now, again, me and Robert have talked about that often. Again, that's just a neutral party. Uh, about 70 is about average. So, so he's 66, which is slightly below. I thought this was funny. I wanted to note this. Flacco's passing grade is actually worse than Deshaun Watson's, who people complained a lot about him, but his running grade was better. I just thought that that's was hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Um, but in terms of can Joe Flacco keep this up? I just want to let people know that this is his best grade, 66 overall, since 2019 when he got a 66.7. He had a 72 in 2018, so a long time ago. And then eight of his last nine seasons, Robert, he has had a 68.7 PFF grade or worse. It's so funny watching this whole Flacco thing. It sounds like we'll get to the Browns defense a little later, so we'll get there, Bears fans. But watching Joe Flacco, I can't help but feel like this is a testament to just how good a lot of those quarterbacks that we, I grew up watching are like Joe Flacco comes off the couch and the ball still comes out of his hand looking like an NFL baller. You know what I mean? It's, it's relatively simple offense. I mean, he picked this thing up three weeks ago. They're not running a bunch of complex stuff, but here's the scary part for Browns fans, right? This Okay. So Nick, I'm sure you've heard this, uh, this phrase before everybody's heard this phrase the nfl is cyclical you've heard it right Mm -hmm. as the nfl's defenses get lighter in an attempt to be a little bit more positionless and cover more ground in the passing game and allow your outside linebackers to drop off and cover space and all the other stuff that people are doing a lot of offenses pivoted towards the shanahan like ethic let's not even call it a system right now because Stefanski's system is a separate take on let's run the hell out of the ball and mm-hmm. chain all of our play action stuff off of all of our run looks. And that's kind of the base of the way that what people understand Shanahan to be, which you and I know Shanahan is a little bit more centric on his RPOs and the way he gets into his run looks. But Stefanski is a close cousin, right? Well, and, and one of the things that they do that I think is smart is they're like, hey, we've lost all these offensive tackles. So what we're going to do is we're going to have two tight ends there that are going to chip and help. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so what they do is they try and cover up their, their weak links more. Like they're not going to put Montez sweat on an Island with the right, their third string, right tackle and say, good luck. They're going to put a tight end over there, which I right. think is smart. Just like we should put Mercedes Lewis over there with Braxton Jones to help with miles Garrett. So, so they, they do things. One thing I thought was interesting though. Ooh, I got so, one more thing for you. I need to chain this into one more point. Go ahead. Because when I talk about the NFL being cyclical, right? A lot of these run first offenses are pounding Fangio style defenses that basically aren't geared up enough to stop heavy rushing right. threats. Right. So I, I asked this question really early in the, uh, in the like preseason where I basically said, is Matt Eberflus running an antique offense, like a retrograde, or sorry, is he running an antique defense, a retrograde defense, a defense that does not work anymore, or is it retro future? Is it something old that has been refreshed as we hit the part of the league? And oh my gosh, Nick, if the Bears games against David or against Ben Johnson and these Lions, among a couple others, have whispered good tidings into my ear. If the Browns can't run the ball and nobody's running the ball well on Chicago, 
Mm. What do they do? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, and, and we saw some of it last week, but I think with Marcus Walker in there, it's going to help the run game even more or run defense even more for Chicago. And when you look at their interior line is really good. Well, I'll get that in a second, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to be an advantage. Flacco um, could have a horrible day is what I'm trying yeah. to get at. Like well, their, their offense is like bottom five. And why would it get, I mean, it, 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 they've had two decent weeks with Flacco, right? Like it's so, been bottom five, but they scored at least a decent chunk of points. Like well, I know so they, here, here, here's the difference. So they, with, with two games with Flacco, they've averaged 358 total yards on offense mm -hmm. and the four previous games without Flacco was 307. So those two have been better again, really small sample size, but in points they've averaged 20 points per game with Flacco. It was 21 in those four games previously on average. So like that Flacco 20, that's it. Wow. I'm coming off of one game then where they scored some 30 odd points and, and I then, must just be overrating that. Man, I'll I'll check that. Make sure I didn't mess that up. On the whole season, Robert, they've had one game over 400 total yards, only <laughs> one. And Flacco, like I said, he's at 57.8 and 52.3 completion percentage. So if you want to take off, I'll um I'll look up. Oh sure, I got you. Like what I keep looking at this game and thinking is, so I don't know what Jim Schwartz is going to do against Justin Fields, what adjustments he's going to make. But the funny part is. I don't know if Justin Fields has to play well for the Bears to necessarily win this game because the Bears have been putting quarterbacks in hell nearly every week at this point, and I actually don't see why that changes. The Browns are just not healthy enough, I feel like, to compete with a Bears team that's got a bunch of juice right now. And especially when you tell me, like, okay, so Brandon Thorne talked about this at one point, a renowned offensive line expert uh, on all kinds Love of Brandon. platforms. Good, good dude, too, by the way. You guys should follow him. I, he good is. dude. And he talked about how nearly 65% of elite NFL pass rushers production comes against backups because you play a lot of backups. And so if Montez Sweat is about to line up against a third stringer for in his first game, no less, for an entire NFL football game, I mean, good luck to him. Like, yeah. it's not, yeah. I'm not even trying to tell you that Montez Sweat is TJ Watt. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to make Miles or Montez Sweat out to be Miles Garrett, but we've talked about this before with Darnell Wright. The NFL is vicious. And when Montez Sweat is as close as you get to a normal NFL, like edge one, that is still rough living for a mm -hmm. third string tackle mm -hmm. in, an, in a league that doesn't have. 32 quality starting tackles no like so i mean it's bad out there and i'm more saying this than anything to point out that like amari cooper dangerous not near the most dangerous receiver the bears have faced down uh no the running game that the browns have dangerous not near the most dangerous running game that the bears have faced down not, jo not detroit last week joe flacco you know not bad not the worst quarterback the bears have faced down but I don't think he's better than Jared Goff, and they made Jared Goff look like he was broken for two of the last three Bears games. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if the Bears defense sustains what they're doing right now, this could be an extremely long afternoon for the uh, for, for the Cleveland Browns. And moreover, Nick, I, I am more saying this than anything. This game could bring Matt Eberflus's praise to a fever pitch and make this play a real question of whether they can, whether they would peak and have trouble sustaining it 
against right. Arizona and uh, Atlanta. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Well, when I look at this matchup, I could just keep seeing green lights for the Chicago well, Bears. Well, hold, hold on. You, you might have more because so, OK, I was incorrect. I didn't carry a one. Don't yell at me, everybody. 25 points per game for Flacco. The four previous games is 21. No, but worries. I have I have more things that might give you more green lights here. OK, so um, so I'd reference that. Flacco is at a 66 overall grade for PFF. Mm -hmm. Just for reference for people to think about this, Justin Fields is at a 75.1, and people are like mad at him. So that tells you the level of player is very different there. Um, and again, just in terms of where these guys rank per their position, I'll just go offense first. We'll talk about that. Then we'll go defense. So Kareem Hunt is 25th among running backs. Jerome Ford is 35th. Cooper, you talked about being the threat. He's 38th among wide receivers. Right. Elijah Moore, the wide receiver, too, is 79th. Cedric Tillman, a rookie, 104. And then the two tight ends, 25th for David Njoku, 41st for Harrison Bryant. That's not a bad combo. Um, backup left tackle, Jerron Christian, 75th among 84 eligible tackles. Joel Benito, 24th. He's he's a good player, but 24th right now. Ethan Posick, 10th among centers. Wyatt Teller, 10th among guards. He's very good, too. And then James Hudson, he is now the new right tackle. He's 84th out of 84 eligible tackles. And then some overall stats for the Browns. So on the year, 29th ranked offense, 28th in passing, 16th in rushing, surprisingly 12th in points per game. So with the that's where they're ranking. They're actually scoring points better than most would think. 17th in the red zone, which helps. So when they get down there, that means that they are converting more touchdowns than field goals or not scoring. They're 30th in third down percentage, Robert, which is really bad. 24th in points per drive. And then 15th in starting field position. All right, Nick. I'm about to take this in a pivot that you never thought I was going. Okay? You ready for this? I, you do that a lot on the show, Robert. And, I, and honestly, nothing would surprise me at this point. So something about uh, this guy who I've, I've never, heard, never heard of. I guess I don't know ball. Uh, Jaron Christian, the, the current left tackle for the Browns. Yeah. Sparked an idea in my head because the Bears obviously have a matchup advantage with James Hudson. Like you said, 84th out of 84, third string tackle. You don't rarely have a good second string tackle. The fact that they had Dewan Jones, it, it speaks to what good drafting can do for you. When you mm -hmm. get to the third string, there's a reason one armed D uh, Darnell Wright was a better option than uh, Aviante Collins. Like these teams yeah. know what that third string tackle looks like. Yeah. When you're down, it's your fifth tackle on the roster. But so I took a look at Garon Christian's mock draftable from back in 2018, oh, just wow. so everybody's on the same page. This is actually a, he's a tackle who clocked in fifth percentile in his weight uh, when he played tackle at, uh, let me see that he played tackle at Louisville. So weighed in at 298 pounds. Weighed in a 12th percentile on the bench press with 19 reps and weighed in with or er, and clocked in with 35 inch arms. So really long arms. And with Yannick Ngakawe out, you know who sounds like a, a matchup nightmare for that guy? Walker. Is Gervon Dexter is oh, what I was going to say. You're, you're still on this train. You don't think Walker can just bull rush? No, I that? think Walker absolutely can. But what I'm sitting here thinking is I want Gervon Dexter to get more snaps. And as we've started to see Gervon Dexter play at edge, I wonder if you could rotate Dexter into the, the defensive end rotation. Like, so the third guy, right? Where you have him spell Walker, and then he can spell 
Justin Jones so that we've got him on the field a sure. little bit more, right? And he's athletic enough. I, w- I bet you could do it. But you mentioned Walker. Walker's another perfect example of this. This guy strikes me as somebody that's going to get crushed by power. And the momentum that Gervon Dexter is bringing on these edge rushes, it beat it, it beat Taylor Lewan. It beat Penay Sewell. Like, mm. Dexter's explosiveness is a yeah. real problem for right. guys that handle lighter players that are trying to walk around the edges as we have drifted in towards the or in the NFL towards trying to stop Brian Burns trying to stop a freight train coming straight down the pipe <laughs> is harder than it's ever been right yeah. and yeah. so part of me wonders purely because we've already seen them play Dexter at edge a couple times whether we might see a little more of it and what the Browns would be able to do to stop it because well they're, they're gonna love the tight ends there that's what they're gonna do sure everybody showed it and, and you're totally right and that's probably gonna help the bears even more because what the what you know the bears are gonna do they just did it against the lions is that they're gonna line six guys up on the line of scrimmage and then if you if you add seven so that you're plus one in pass pro they're just gonna add a seventh man you yep. may even see corner blitzes in this game as the bears try to follow that minnesota-esque principle the Bears, so Minnesota wants plus one in the blitz. The Bears want even. The Bears just want a bunch of one-on-ones, yep. right? And I bet you they're going to use Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards same way they have for weeks in trying to isolate that that Montez Sweat versus James Hudson matchup right. yep. so that they can just keep them in contained and let Sweat go about his business. And I mean, look, we'll see what happens, Nick, but I really, I really can't help but wonder if this game is going to play out in a way where we don't even need to talk about the offense because the defense alone may take care of this game, but we'll see. Well, and, and I mean, also like think about early in the season, Chicago struggles. What did teams do? They twisted, they played games. Like you're yes. going to see a lot of that, especially with young guys that don't have experience. And even if they do have the tight ends in, that's less guys that get into the pass routes to make the defense. The bears have not be explosive or letting explosive plays have less explosive chances. Like I saw last week, Robert, in the film that I watched, the Browns had one-man routes. They had two-man routes. And so then you can just bracket both guys, and it's and it's good luck. So I think that it's going to be a very – I mean, if the Browns make this a game, okay, we'll just say that much, right? I think it's going to be a very low-scoring affair for them because I don't think that they can put up a lot of points on Chicago. I don't think they can either. And you talked about Justin Fields' PFF grade. What I think is kind of funny about Justin Fields' PFF grade, now granted, I can't tell you his PFF passing grade right now because I just don't know it, right? But Justin Fields' athleticism, I would argue, is doing is buoying a lot in his in his grade right now because his running grade is outstanding. Last time I checked, it was fourth best quarterback or fourth best among quarterbacks, and I bet it went up for crying out loud because he made some really nice plays against Detroit. Then in his passing grade, his pure passing grade, I remember him being somewhere around 20th-ish, and a lot of that comes off of the improv stuff that he does with the ball in his hands a little later in plays. I digress. The point is, Nick, I don't know if the Bears' structure has to win against the Browns for them to have a ton of success, because Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith, who are without a doubt two of the best players on this Browns team that, that remain standing, if they crash the edge too hard, Justin's just going to leave. And yep. 
If the Bears continue to run the deep routes that they do downfield, you're going to open up rushing seams. You're going to ask Justin Fields whether he can beat Jeremiah Owosu Korokoma, joke, in the open field. That may actually be a test because joke is a great matchup. He's an athlete. Against- yeah, he's, he's a great matchup against Justin Fields, but Justin has beaten crazier. So we will yeah. we'll see how this works out, but part of me is wondering, Nick, if I cannot believe I'm saying this. I, I think the sentence I'm about to say is so boring. If you could just play a good old-fashioned clean game and grind out 17 points on offense, you may find a way to win 24 to, I don't know, six when things are all said and done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. So if we dive into the, the defense, we'll we'll get more into I think the the, the predictions, the outcomes. Um you talked about Miles Garrett, so he's he's fantastic, everyone. But Miles Garrett, we thought had a serious shoulder injury. He recovered and he's played last week or it might have been the last two weeks, but he is not a hundred percent. So that's an advantage with a guy that I mean, just a freak. He's an alien. You want to talk about Justin Fields as an alien. Miles Garrett is too. So he's the second best PFF graded edge. Uh, Zedarius Smith, who you had mentioned, Robert. Zedarius Smith, everybody, been to every NFC, uh, you know, North team besides Chicago and Detroit right now. Um, he's 27th ranked. And then the interior is going to be interesting because they just lost. We talked about this. They just lost um, Maurice Hurst. And then the other starting D tackle, Jordan Elliott, has a concussion. So he might not play. Jordan Elliott's the 121st ranked D tackle, by the way. But the other two, Dalvin Tomlinson, people have heard him before, right? Used to be with Minnesota last year. He's ranked 68th. So not as good as I thought he would be, honestly. And then Shelby Harris, traded for from Detroit, who came from, or no, signed because Seattle cut him and then came from Denver, um, 25th, but more limited snaps. So we'll see if that stays up there, but that's still decent. Uh, Anthony Walker, 29th best uh, linebacker, and then Joke, who you talked to, talked about, Jeremiah Owusu-Kormora, uh, 23rd. Denzel Ward, we talked about this, missed three games, still an injury report, 47th best corner. Martin Emerson, 42nd. He's long. He's like 6'2", y'all. Um, long arms. And then Greg Newsom, first round pick from Northwestern. I liked him coming out. Uh, 78th. Safeties, Juan Thornhill, 42nd. And then newly rookie Ronnie Hickman. He had 69 PFF grade on very limited snaps. Nice. And then their their nickel corner also doesn't qualify. 58.8 PFF grade on limited snaps. So they have a lot of guys taking snaps that haven't, especially on the back end. Um, and you had talked about the edge guys are their best guys, which I agree with. I almost wonder if Chicago can run on the interior or this defense. I, I have no idea. I mean, if there's been one flaw in the Bears offense, it's that silently, quietly, they forgot how to run block. And it's a little weird. Like, yep. it's not it's not as if the talent is that woeful. We can hate on Lucas Patrick all we want to. He did not have a bad game. In last Sunday's game against Detroit, they still could not move guys in the defensive interior. Now, I think a lot of that is because teams are loading the box against the Bears a lot more than they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but the point still stands that right now, the Bears' run game is working when they hit on the outside, or at least when they hit the B-gaps, like between the tackle and the guard, after using a little bit of misdirection. I would love to see Luke Getzey 
crank this thing up and run yep. the ball. But yep. part of me wonders whether they're just going to drop back and pass it. I mean, we'll see. But yeah. they so I yeah I've I've got a bunch of stats here, and then I'm going to give you guys some hope. Okay, so first, bear We're not already with, hopeful enough. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 bear with us huh? um, in terms of how good this defense has been, and then it's changed. So <clears throat> the Browns are number one in the NFL in QB knockdowns per pass attempt, so hitting the quarterback. Third in pressure percentage, which is hurries, sacks, and knockdowns combined. 13th in blitz percentage, so they don't blitz a ton. They're not Minnesota here. Second in pass defense. First in sack percentage. Fifth in run defense. Second in points allowed per drive. Um, they are 28th in red zone percentage, which is, uh, you know, a little surprising. But uh, in their first and third down percentage, they don't allow conversions. And they are 14th in percent of percentage of drives that end in a turnover. So nothing that's big there, but very good defense, right? When you're first in sack percentage, first and third downs, second points per drive, first and knocking the quarterback down. I mean, there, you got a lot of good stuff going for you. So here's where things have turned, y'all. The first five games they had, they had an early buy. So weeks one through six, they averaged, averaged 200 yards allowed per game. Since then, week seven to week 14, they've averaged 302, a 102-yard difference. Weeks one through six, points allowed per game, 15.4. Week seven to week 14, 24.4, so nine more points per game. There's been a big shift in this defense. Not saying that they're not good. They're not elite. And also, in this week seven to 14, Robert, is that one contest when they played Arizona? And I'll look it up as we're talking here. I think it was the game when um, they didn't have Josh Dobbs and they played whomever else. I'm looking this up right now. They had, yeah, oh, the one they time they, Toon? Clayton Toon had 58 passing yards and got sacked seven times that game. So they shut them out. That's included in the week seven through week 14. Right. I mean, that's the thing here, Nick. I'll even, I'll go out and say it. Their points per game total is below average. And this Browns defense fell from grace really hard. I'm yeah. not shocked. Zone is a little bit more team defense oriented. You can you can replace the parts a little better. It's not that simple, right? Like if you lose Kyler Gordon and Greg Newsom doesn't step up to the plate, you're going to have a bad day because the slot carries a lot of weight in Matt Eberflus' zone scheme. But in a man scheme, you designed everything based on beating dudes in mat or in like one-on-one -on -one matchups oftentimes out on the side or out on the edges of the defense and when you don't have those guys out there good luck your other guy has to, to win it like by himself and so if there's one positive thing for the browns it's that <clears throat> their defensive line has been a little healthier than the rest of their team but miles garrett's hurt that second overall pff grade that's what he was what he is right now is a very good rusher but a much more mortal rusher and when you go from being the dpoy to a tough edge rusher you become somebody that the bears have faced very similar players to you become an aiden hutchinson like you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i just i am really struggling nick because as a football fan <clears throat> i see so many green lights for a chicago bears team that i have picked against a lot this season yep. and yep. i don't know if i'm tuning the bears up for something awful i've knocked on wood more than once 
throughout this show. But I see a team, to be honest with you, Nick, that I think a lot of Twitter fans that aren't paying attention are going to say that this Bears offense had this amazing game against a Browns defense that's so good because they were so good. But in reality, like, do you want you ready for my prediction? You want yeah, to just yeah. come out and say it? Yeah. I, I think that 24 to, thir- I think 24 to 13 is probably how this thing's going to shake out. And I don't think it's going to feel that close. I think maybe it will, but unless the Bears turn the ball over a couple times, they've actually been doing a pretty good job of not doing for the most part. I think that the Bears are able to just about shutter this Browns offense. I think the Bears take the ball away another two or three times, give their offense a couple short fields. I think you and I might end up a little frustrated with another disjointed offense performance because that's the funny thing about last Sunday's offensive performance. It was still very disjointed. It's just that they got chunk plays when it worked. And so instead of little 10-yard gains, they would rip off 25 and 30-yard gains. Best example of that is Fields hitching, throwing late on a curl route to DJ or to Darnell Mooney that the DB would love to have another play on, but Darnell Mooney snow cones the ball, turns up field, and what should be maybe six yards or worse, a PD or interception, is 25 yards, right? And it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears just keep chunking enough to score a little bit. I bet they're I think the Bears defense like peaks with a touchdown in this game, if you wanted me to really get deep into the prediction, yeah. because yeah. I think this is going to be the maybe the best day of Matty Bufo's life. Like, save some family moments that I won't push on him, but in the world of coaching, this might be that moment that he goes, vindication, <laughs> and yep. starts a legitimate playoff push. And I mean, Nick, our numbers are up. Numbers across the Bears world and the world of content are up. We are about to get euphoric if things play out the way I see it because people are going to freak out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think that's because people aren't looking at the context of this. They're like, oh, Joe Flacco is having this resurgence. Well, let's look a little deeper. The Rams defense is not good. And they played Jacksonville last week with... Jacksonville's best corner and I think safety both out. So they're missing half their secondary and still Joe Flacco can't hit 60% completion percentage on either of those teams. Right. I think it's, I mean, their defense is good. I think that fields could get sacked five, six times. Could be a that rough could day. Be like that could, you know, he could lose a fumble, whatever. I'm not sure that the Browns get in the end zone. I think it's going to be, I could, it could be 28 to nine. I think that's going to be my prediction. I think that they, they'll get a few field like goals. That. Um, I wanted to go six, but I want to go too confident, but I, I think that this bears team is, has confidence. They've won three of their last four games. Y'all Justin Fields has won three of his last four starts to finishes. Okay. They're, they're, they're going right now. And I don't, I'm not going to say that, you know, he's going to throw for five touchdowns or, you know, but I think 28 points, you said one could be a defensive one. I don't know that the Browns get in the end zone and that and it's going to be a long day. Give it to Foreman a lot. He's our best running back right now. You grind this out. And I think that you went on the road. The bears have this habit of at least once per, uh, per game. It feels like one drive. They'll have a couple guys make minor mistakes and it'll allow the other team to get in the end zone. Like that. Uh, the second touchdown drive comes to mind for Detroit where Tyreek Stevenson thought, Josh Reynolds was running a corner route 
overreacts to it, gives up the inside a little too easy. And Josh Reynolds scores on a 12 yard t- uh, touchdown pass. that was like literally one of the longest plays of Detroit's day, which is hilarious. Yep. Um, yep. I, I think something like that happens. The Browns have been taking advantage of a bunch of jailbreaks. I don't think they're going to catch a jailbreak, but I think they will have one drive where they basically buckle down and grind their way into the end zone, especially if that comes off the back of, say, a two Justin, like a two sack series from Justin Fields where the ball just backs up a lot and they give the Browns the ball, maybe the 45. But outside of that, Nick, I mean, I just felt bad picking 24 to six, to be honest with you. Like I'm, I'm mentally no, there with you. Were, you were 24, 13, weren't you? I know. So I added seven like last minute because I was oh, like, okay. I bet the Browns will find their way into the end zone once, even if it's late in the game. But like the, I fully expect this bears defense. If they play at the level you and I are thinking they are to pound this Browns offense. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when we look down the road, just to make it clear, I think that Kyler Murray's athleticism stretches the margins of what this Bears defense can do and will help test them. I think the Atlanta Falcons and Desmond Ritter isn't playing amazing, but at least he's being an NFL normal trigger man. Like this, this Falcons offense has the weapons to press at the seams of what this Bears defense is. Uh, The Browns don't. (laughs) No. And you know, the other thing too is, you know, if Joe Flacco can keep this up, like that's another part of this, you know, Joe Flacco, he's 38. He, he actually, he turns 39 in like a month, hey, January 16th. He's Nick, up there. And Nick, like you talk about if he was the answer, he would have been on some team already. You know, like, like we, we saw this story, right? Josh Dobbs. Oh, what a great story. He's going to fix everything. And then Josh Dobbs yes. now is benched. Remind me and Nick, that's because of Chicago. What was, what was the story that people loved in the NFC North? Oh, it's just, it was this lions team. And they were beating everybody. And then what happened when they played Chicago? Jared yep. Goff got exposed. You gave the perfect step the other day, and I've been quoting it to everybody who will listen to me. Jared Goff matched his season interception total against the rest of the schedule in two games against the Bears. Five and five. Unbelievable. Bryce Young rolls up in Chicago, facing down Tyson Bajan with an opportunity to finally get that second win. What happens? They get six points on offense and lose the game in, in an emphatic fashion. Josh Dobbs rolls into Chicago. Oh, everybody loves him. The pastronaut crashed back to earth. And yep. one half of football later, he was benched. Like, the Bears are the Grim Reaper. Like that meme, you know what I mean? Where you see yeah. like the doors with the blood inside them. I may put one of these together. Like, because it would be Jared Goff, Josh Dobbs, Jared Goff again, and then Joe Flacco's face with the Grim Reaper rapping on the, uh, the door. Because like, I mean, again, Nick, Kyler Murray has a much, I, I just, it's more to say that this is a matchup thing. This isn't just being high on the bears, right? These are two sane people looking at this bears team and saying the way they play defense and the guys that they have against the guys, the Browns have. I, I don't know how the Browns are scoring. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like because we're Bears fans. I mean, you can just look at history here. I mean, the Bears have allowed more than 19 points three times since week five. I mean, they, they're they're just shutting people out. And that that's, that's the comeback in Detroit. That's Justin Herbert. 
and that is uh, the Saints when 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 Bajent was starting at the Superdome. I mean, when when it's a quarterback, that's. I mean, even even Kirk Cousins put up 19 when we lost him the first time. That was with Kirk Cousins, who's really good. I mean, they're 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 playing super well right now, and it and it's and they're and they're healthy. You're playing a team that's really beat up. I mean, you could see maybe Cleveland's just going to try and run and try and make this a really shortened game. But but Detroit tried to do that too, and they put up 13 points, and they're super talented. There's there's not Jared Goff is galaxies ahead of Joe Flacco. Their running backs are better than their running backs. I would say their O line is better than their O line. Even you know their interior three are good. Much you better. Go, I mean their tight end is better. You can't their be this bad at tackle. You can't be this bad at tackle and live at the NFL. Like it, it's such a funny position because everybody talks about best five on offensive line and with the resurgence of defensive interior guys like Chris Jones. I don't blame everybody for thinking about those interior guys, but Nick, mm. it, it is this simple. When with the quality of NFL edge rushers, you can't be this bad at tackle. And the Browns nope. are this bad at tackle. Yep. And here, here's another thing too. So before Joe Flacco, the two games before they had him, they had 258 and 269 total yards of offense. Like it's been going downhill poorly. They, they've they had one game in the last four that they've rushed for over a hundred yards. It's not, not looking good there. No. Do you want to, do you want to chat about the playoffs? So I actually want quickly, because you put in the show sheet, you put draft order above the playoffs. Sure. And I do want to say this. So if the Bears win, so so because fate is funny, the the Bears won a game, they moved to five and eight, and they did not move in the draft order at all. That enough teams won that they maintained a now massive tie. It looks like it's a, let me see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, and 10. So that is a six-way tie for uh five the five and eight record and they sit mm-hmm. on the top of that because of their low strength of schedule that only keeps getting lower love the bears um i still can't believe they're not like seven and six but that's i'm just gonna leave that alone for now I enough know. whining um i am going to say something that might be blasphemous in the world of the bears and that's that right now i'm having too much fun with the team and it is too interesting for me to root for them to lose and we never quite got all the way to rooting for them to lose but nick they have the important one. They have number one. They have the pick that's worth triple the value on the Jimmy Johnson chart of anything after about pick number seven. Like, it is it is a crazy thing to have. It is a valuable thing to have. And as much as I know it might be blasphemous to say, oh, well, you want to you wanna win so that you know something's cooking. Actually, yeah. I want some of these young players to prove it a little bit. It's yep. not about Eberflus to me it's not even about justin fields like i want to see tyler scott step forward i want to see braxton jones continue to assert himself i want to see tevin jenkins continue to lead from the front i want to see nate davis fix it we are way too inconsistent we are so good on the downs where we're good we are so bad on the downs where we're bad and i i want to see darnell Wright keep taking those steps i can keep going you get it Mm -hmm. but for me right now nick i've seen some people say well what if the bears finish with number 10 what if the Bears finish with number 17? I don't care. Like, don't care. what What if they end up losing the wild card? They end up with pick number 20. Whatever. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. Because the value the Bears are gaining by a lot of the players just being good 
is clearing mm-hmm. up roster holes that you don't have to replace in the draft. Do you do you think Detroit's mad that they want they went on that run and didn't make the playoffs last year? Do you think that that hurt their draft pick position so much that it hurt their odds in 2023, Robert? You can't be mediocre in this league to that exact point. But once you once you get over the seven win hill, you get out of mediocrity and into like pretty good in the world of the NFL. The well, lo- Nick, do you know? Uh, the draft the draft position of the lowest seven win team right now um i don't know it is 15th in the nfl <laughs> and it, that's that's obviously not super fair uh because there's like plenty more games to play but it's more to say that in my opinion should we come to the point where we are caring about draft position again because people got fired um <clears throat> it will probably be that the bears won say seven games something like that uh, and they'll probably draft somewhere close to 10th, whatever. Well, well, the other thing too is like, okay, let's say you win seven or eight games, you don't make the playoffs, but you showed promise, obviously, the last half of this season. Mm-hmm. The Bears are going to have some free agent money here. You don't think that's, that's going to entice free agents? They're like, oh, hey, hold on. They got something cooking over there. Just like everyone saw with Detroit, This the momentum – and the off-season momentum of positiveness that we thought we had this last off-season now could come to reality, and you might sign a center. You might sign an edge, a safety. They might want to come to Chicago, so you have to overpay through the nose for them. That's worth something. That, that positive buzz and confidence, mm-hmm. that matters to me more than the draft position because, again, Chicago's in the best position in all of football in terms of teams that aren't like elite contenders. You have the number one pick, and you have a team that's rising right now. It's a good problem no matter what happens. And, I mean, there is a long and storied history of defensive head coaches just saying, should the worst happen, uh, defensive head coaches getting fired, turning turning the reins over to an offensive mind, and John Fox's team, through Gary Kubiak's coaching, goes out and wins the Super Bowl. This happens a lot. And Mm -hmm. so... I'm really interested to see how this whole thing goes down. And if I, if I get to call the shots, Nick, it is this simple win out. And if not, maybe consider taking advantage of the opportunity that the number one overall pick has offered you and part with Matt Eberflus a year early rather than a year or two late. But it's so much fun. Like this is way better to talk about than talking about like, Oh, wow. This bummer of a Bears team is an even bigger bummer than you think they are, right? No, 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 no. This is an ascending Bears team. This is a firecracker team to watch. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a team coming together out of what feels like nowhere, right? Like we've seen so many other Bears teams crack. So take me on a playoff journey. What do we yeah. need to happen? So there, there's a lot here. And guys, I, I have this written out and I'm sure Robert looks at this and like, Nick, you're crazy. All the stuff that I do in here. So I have, I have big tank games this weekend, like things that we want to have happen for like bad teams to win. And I have big playoff games this weekend. That's going to help us. Okay. So the picture in the, in the NFC is Minnesota is at seven and six. Then there's one, two, three, four, five, six teams with six wins. And, and a lot of that battle is the NFC South, which is just, there's three of them. They're all battling to win the division, maybe get a wild card. And then shockingly, the Giants have five wins and so does Chicago. So that's who's in, I would say, the hunt. But in terms of this weekend, so for playoff purposes, Minnesota plays at Cincinnati. 
Go Bengals. We 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 are Bengals fans. We want them to win. Denver. Do we get is that Detroit? Do we get Browning back? Us lifelong Bengals fans. Do we? Get I, Browning I don't back? know. I don't know. I I liked him. I picked him in He's DFS been last popping week. Popping off. He made me money last week. DFS speaking of. So Denver plays at Detroit. We're gonna go Denver there. Tampa Bay at Green Bay. To me, that's a coin flip. And whenever it's a coin flip, I'm choosing against Green Bay. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Baker Mayfield stands. Always go. have been. Always going to the, the lifelong joke it, for anybody who's not picking it up. It, every single time we need it to be. I'm going to be a lifelong fan of the team that we need to win. So yes. go yes. Bucks. We and they did got- us a solid just a couple weeks ago. Do us another one. Right. Now you have a team that's reeling a little bit. I think we still want to cheer for the Eagles to beat Seattle because Seattle might fall out if the Bears win out. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, In terms of tank games, New England, you want them to win, right? They're playing Kansas City. Um, Vegas plays the Chargers. So both of those teams are top 10 teams, but the Vegas has lower in terms of strength of schedule. So you want them to win. Um, Houston at Tennessee. Um, I think we want Tennessee to win that one. You put go Texans on here. I, I, I like, know I did. What? Even, you know, what was weird for me when I looked at that one is I was just so confused. Cause I got like Oilers in my head and then you got the Titans. Yep. yep. Remember there were the national Oilers for a while. Then you got Houston Texans. Like there's a lot of, I think that's just interesting. A lot of Texas going on in that one. It is. And, but, it's fun to cheer for Will Levis if you want to go in that route. Uh, being a Bears fan makes us kind of screwy. I feel awful cheering against the Texans, actually. The Texans are like your super fun football story. It's a team that traded up for Will Anderson and are absolutely reaping the rewards for the yep. aggression in doing so. And now we want them to lose to yep. a but- Tennessee team that, hey, Hey, if nothing else, Tennessee gave us one of the most enthralling Monday night victories that I have seen in a while. Talk about pulling a rabbit out of that. That was, that, yeah, that was that was that was fun. Reminded me a little bit of Mike Brown and James Allen. <laughs> Go back. Um, so yeah, we're rooting for Tennessee there. I don't know if CJ Stroud will be back. Um, Jets, we want them to beat Miami at Miami. And with how Miami's playing, if Hill, maybe, if Hill's injury is still a problem, man. That Jets defense has eaten teams like that, the re- what's left of the Miami offense, for breakfast. And so, I mean, what Zach Wilson are we going to get? The one what? we know or yeah, the one we saw? Last week. Yeah, exactly. By the way, quick update. Jake Browning left with some thumb discomfort, then a forearm injury, full participant. So all signs point to big Jake See, Browning. Man. Playing. That makes me mad. If Jake Browning would have finished out that game, I would have made way more money last week. Come and on, they won. Hey. I understand why they didn't. I don't know. Um, Washington at the Rams. So this one's a little tough because the Rams, they're in this this hunt. So do we want Washington to win or do you want the Rams to win? How, how are you leaning there, Robert? Why would I pick the Rams? Like, let's make the playoffs. Let, let's have some fun. I right. Look. Let me be so real with you, Nick. I'm in a real bind here because if I wanted to win a Super Bowl, like, okay, so I'll say the thing that Daniel Jeremiah said because I kind of see it the same way. To me, Justin Fields is like a 17 in blackjack. Can you win with this? It's possible. But you're relying on a lot of things to go really well, statistically. 
with Caleb Williams, I see a clearer path to the Super Bowl. I don't know how you replace, if you replace Justin Fields, if you make the playoffs. And I don't care. Let's make them anyways. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know what? <laughs> what am I thinking here? Washington wins, their draft pick is worse, and they beat the Rams who in the playoffs, right? So, yeah, we are we are clear cut, big, big commies fans. Clear cut. I've always been like you, the Red Scare. You know what I'm saying? There it is. Like, there it is. yeah. John Riggins. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, the Fun Bunch. People will remember that one a little bit. All right. Super Sam. Super last, Sam Howell. <laughs> Sammy Baugh. Uh, last one is San Francisco at Arizona. Let's go Cardinals. Let's go Cardinals. A Let's division, so, divisional game. Yeah. Never easy. Like, right. got a binder full of plays that they want to. Brock Purdy, pumpkin. Overrated. I'm kidding. The, so, the, yeah. You, here's, here's, okay. You always say this, Robert. I've never said this on our show. The tinfoil hat, you know, like the, mm-hmm. whenever you say that, I always think of like conspiracy theories. Is That's that the, that you, is what I'm going after. Okay. I'll, I'll just go, I'll just go conspiracy theory, like crazy. Like I think of that, that one gif where the guy's like, he's got all the, the points on the wall. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, let me put all this together. Yes. Okay. Who you would look like him a little bit, by the Charlie way. Charlie Day. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. There is one team that we want to lose kind of, but they hold they may hold our playoff hopes in their hands and it's Carolina y'all. Okay. So Carolina this week, they are, they play the Falcons at home. They, they play next week. They play the Packers at home. And then the last week of the season, they play the Buccaneers at home. Don't you dare all, make me root for the Carolina Panthers. All three, well, but we got a two game cushion don't you, here. Don't you dare. Do we want them to maybe win a couple Robert to help us get in the playoffs? Am I allowed to say no? Like, because I, I agree. Okay, so here's the problem, Nick. Here's the problem. I have seen way too many teams burned by trying to get the two in the bush. I have become a bird in the hand person through and through, if that makes sense. And so I will take three Carolina losses way sooner than I will take two wins and a loss and hoping that the strength of schedule thing works out in our favor. Screw that. Three losses. Like quitting team, especially because Nick, I don't know what you saw. Um, I don't know where Carolina would pull the motivation to bring the thunder against any of the teams left on the roster. Look, it is a bit of a one game overreaction, but they looked like a team that was well aware that they were out of playoff contention, like mathematically eliminated. They looked so bad. Oh. And I, if they lose to the Falcons, sure. Go beat the Packers, whatever. But okay, I just okay, d- I doubt they'll do it if that makes sense. Like I I could do the Packers game, but then lose to the Jags and lose to the Bucks. Okay. Whatever. Like right, meet, meet in the middle. Or or just throwing this out there. How about New England and Arizona just win this week against Kansas City and San Francisco, which obviously is super easy. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Right? Any given Sunday. In yeah, fact, right? this one we already so, got our we already got our Steelers games. Like right. we can, already can, got our Christmas. Imagine present. if the things aligned and the Kansas City and San Francisco lost yeah. to these two teams, I think, and then Carolina can win out, it won't even matter. I mean, what would Mahomes say about the refs in that game <laughs> after they lose to Bill Belichick's <laughs> Patriots? Oh. I I feel like we are way too down the conspiracy theory, like weird weird things rabbit hole. But anyways, y'all, it's fun that we can go from the draft order to the playoffs. I'm excited the Bears are winning. I'm excited that we have a lot of hope this weekend. 
Um, I'm counting on talking trash. I have a lot of Browns buddies that are fans of the Browns. Oh, man. Talking trash to them. Um, and I hope it's going to be a really enjoyable uh, Sunday. You seen that Jimmy Fallon segment where he writes thank you notes, Nick? No. Oh, well, there you go. He just writes a lot. La- he, he talks out a thank you note, and it's supposed to be a joke. And okay. my theme right now is like, thank you, NFC, for being so bad <laughs> that a 5-8 and eight team still has a legitimate playoff shot in week 15. Yep. Like, the door isn't open um, conventionally, but it's open. It's and open. hey, like, if if somebody from the NFC South can win a division, the Bears can win a seven-seed wild card. Especially yep. because, uh, let's tie it all the way start. We talked early about Danny Green. I'm going to bring the late, great Danny Green up right here. This is as simple as are the Bears who we think they are. If they are through the rest of the season, we're going to dance with Green Bay with a wild card spot on the line. And if they aren't, then let's make way for the guys who are. I I think this rules, Nick. I think Mm -hmm. this is only good. Could it be more optimal? Sure. But it is hard to get this excited. And I mean, I'm already talking myself into blowing the entire Bears cash pool on signing Chris Jones because you added. I saw that. I mean, like, Nick, I sit here and I look at this Bears team and I think to myself, I like Gervon Dexter, but if you got the opportunity to sign a 29 year old that will then become 30, that's a potential Hall of Famer, if not an outright Hall of Famer, and he's going to play that three tech spot, and suddenly you've got left to right, you've got a line of an edge rusher. You're going to have to figure that one out. Uh, Chris Jones, Andrew Billings, Montez Sweat. This is it with rotational guys like Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens and Demarcus Walker. At that point, we can we can promote him to the starter for now. This is how you push for a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Like, what, what, why don't we go? Why don't we put it all in? You trade down from one. You get Max Crosby in the deal. Then you man. sign Chris Jones, and then you got now you're gonna run out of money because you got to. <laughs> we're basically we're basically the commies the last couple of years trying to have the best D line ever, and it and it didn't work out for them, but it'll work it, out for us. It well, right? That's the that's another one of those memes where it's like, well, did it work for those people? Well, no. These people always delude themselves into thinking it will, but it might work for us. It might work for us. <laughs> hey, it, I like the box one. Right, that one. It could be anything. It could be a boat. Right. It could be anything. It could be the 2023 Commanders defensive line. Like yep, exactly. But exactly. All this to all say right. that it's uh, like you said this earlier. The Bears are in such a fun position, not just here in 2023, but in what's going forward. And I just want for all the loyal listeners that are hardcore tank artists and want to build a Super Bowl championship as bad as both Nick and I do. I do want you to open your heart a little bit because if you're like me, Matt Eberflus did so much to burn you over the first, what do you think, Nick? Eight to 10 weeks of this season? What, like, and last year. Let's the, go, let's go. Yeah. What'd you say? And last year, so you got like a season and a half. Oh yeah, like so much, so much to burn you. But I'll tell you what, Nick, we wouldn't be sounding this upbeat if this turnaround wasn't quickly approaching, not quickly. It, we need quite a few more games before it's quickly. But God forbid, okay, there's one playoff scenario we haven't discussed, okay? If the Rams do lose a couple games, 
You mentioned the Rams' schedule is they take on Washington, they take on New Orleans, they take on the Giants, they take on the Niners, right? And if they lose enough of those games to fall out of the race and the Packers drop a game, let's say they drop the Tampa game and Minnesota bows up and beats them and then the Bears beat them too. The Bears have a chance to go back to Motown with the sixth seed for a dance with the Lions and a rubber match on the season series. Wow. And they, they actually might win that playoff game. Like, I think they match up with the Lions way better than they match up with the Niners. That's for sure. And so if this happened, if the Bears ended the season, if you will, on a seven-game win streak that included a playoff win, and then they fell, Matt Eberflus earned it. Like, you don't oh, even you have to... Me? You don't even have to like him, but he will have earned it. You, you, you know what I think about in that same regard? Matty Rufus is not a great speaker, everybody. He's not. His speeches, he always says right after everything. Or okay. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> and if you haven't noticed that, I'm sorry, I spoiled it. Because now every time he's going to talk, you'd be like, right, okay, and this, right, and then this, right. Okay. He does that. He's not a great speaker. I don't care. I don't want my coach to be the best speaker, the best. I don't want him to be cool, like, you know, with, with the, the sweats and the shades and the Yeezys, you know, like Mike McDaniel. Like, I don't care. I want him to be a good football coach, and I want him to put the product out on the field. And if he does that, Robert, I don't care because I trust in polls. And if he puts, you know, what, four, five, what do you call it, six, seven of these wins together, I'll trust Eberflus over the offseason, and we're going to – I mean, honestly, 2024, I'm going to be pumped for. So everything, everything would be disgustingly right in the world if the Green Bay Packers have the hot shot, Yeezy wearing offensive genius that is a real offensive genius. I mean, like Matt LaFleur, I think he's really, really impressive. He's got a young ass, a young Packers offense operating in a top 10 EPA level. I'm not going to talk too well of the Packers, but you get it. And then that's the yin. Right. And the yang is that the bears have this old can barely speak into the media, dorky defensive coach that is the perfect check to that and creates some enthralling rivalry matchups going forward. It's not the it's not the destination I would have chosen for myself, but it is very Chicago in its own way. And I would I don't know, Nick, I sit here and I'm like, you have your orders. If you can bring back like a playoff berth, let's have a conversation yeah. and a good one. But it's a long road. It's only week 15. It all starts yeah. this weekend in Cleveland. And I really hope the air doesn't come out of the balloon. <laughs> yeah. So last thing I'll, I'll have is we always like people to comment and have fun, you know, whether on YouTube or you could, you could tweet at us. So I think that I would just like to see what your score predictions are for this game. Yes. Tweet us your score predictions. I saw some score predictions just the other week. I saw some favorite plays. We love you guys. You guys yep. are awesome. Thank yep. you so much. Nick, you got anything else as we close up? No, I, well, I think one thing is, is, is we're two-thirds through the season, wherever you want to say, Robert. Um, this has been fun. And just doing this show with you. And it's been fun just to like interact with people and just saying how much they appreciate the podcast um, they, they like what we do and our, our style and yeah. you know our, our goofiness together. So I just want to say I, I appreciate y'all. 
We really, really appreciate you guys. I mean, especially if you made it to the end of what should be a near two-hour podcast. Nick, I know the time (laughs) flies by for you. It flies by for me. I feel like these are just really fun conversations to be a part of, and you guys, the listeners, make that happen. Please do rate us. Tell your friends. Push this as much as you can reasonably, and the best way you can do that is a five-star rating on your listening spot. And, and like I write something positive on the WCG channel. I always used to get all the negative reviews. Uh, you can leave a negative review as long as you like leave a little winky face at the end of it so that I know you're kidding. Um, and then <laughs> it'll be our little secret, right? Um, but so do please hit us with some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on every other uh, podcasting listening platform. If we're not on your favorite one, please let me know, and we can get that fixed. Then like us on YouTube, share it with your friends, tell them you got these crazy guys that talk about the Bears for hours, and we'll just keep doing what we do. Nick, how are people making money this weekend? Yeah, I still gotta get that one up. I, I mean, I've been having some some heaters lately. Like in my article, I had Pat Fryermuth two weeks ago. He was awesome. I had Jake Browning this week. I had a few other ones that that hit. And I right now I'm doing I'm like doing accountability. And man, I've been having more hits than misses, Robert. So you're not going to miss that if you like making money in DFS. What is accountability? Because I want to see how if my predictions worked out or if they didn't. You know, oh, there you go. So versus the money, because in last week I want to say I was probably fifty percent, uh, but I think I was a little bit better this week. There you go. There you yep. go. And then, yep. as far as what you'll get from me, I am doing a lot of work behind the scenes right now, trying to prep for some draft stuff as we get to the end. But I'm going to be honest with you: releasing any of it right now feels super tanky. So yep. we're holding all that off until we've got a better time to talk about it one way or another. But as always, you can expect an article every day on DBB. We'll be right back with you for the post-game podcast. Uh, and probably, probably live. I think we're both free, but we'll figure it out when we get there. Uh, then Tuesday film reviews, the last ones posted. We did a great job. Tune into those streams if you like them. And if not, catch me on the replay. But until next time, Bears fans, thank you again for listening. Bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with us.